2: Hey, everybody. AJ here.
1: And uh, Richard. Um, we're just uh, adding this little part before the podcast, before we get to talking about the Millennium franchise. Um, if you're not aware, uh, the our hometown of Christchurch and the whole country of New-, New Zealand is currently reeling in the aftermath of this like unspeakable tragedy um, there was a mass shooting um, at a mosque in Christchurch. This isn't the kind of thing that ever happens in New Zealand, so that's one of those things that's sort of really hard to process when it happens in, in your yeah. hometown. AJ and I are both from Christchurch. AJ, is
2: I live in Christchurch currently. <laughs> so, there at the moment. So I was I I live about uh, like a five minute drive from where the the one of the shootings happened.
1: Yeah. And in fact, our live episode we recorded, um, the High School Musical one that was released at the start of this year, uh, is a kilometre and a half, less than a mile away from from where the this, the main shooting took place. And it, it might seem weird to have a movie-based comedy-leaning <laughs> podcast uh, sort of have this at the start, but it didn't feel right not to address it when... As I say, we we are both from Christchurch, and a lot of our fan bases in Christchurch, and yeah, uh, we're both safe. Uh, we're, yep. we're both uh, all our our loved ones are safe, and everyone in the Popshire family is safe, and we hope that you can say the same about your family and your loved ones and yourself. Um, mm-hmm. uh, I do want to say as well, like so, Kelpwatcher is obviously a very obviously very small operation. We don't we don't make a lot of money through it but we did want to sort of help out in whatever way we can and so we have a we have a patreon that you know we get some money each month and we've decided that for the month of march our our income we're going to donate that to uh whatever there's like give a little pages and and charities that are popping up but when it becomes clear you know what the sort of uh, with the best way to support these people, these victims, is then we're going to donate this month's uh, income to that. And if you want to sign up to our Patreon and to support the victims and get you know a, a, an extra podcast or two on the side, uh, you can sign up and then pay at the end of March and then cancel your subscription, whatever. Yeah. You know. This isn't
2: us uh, advertising for our <laughs> Patreon. This is yeah. our, our way of fundraising.
1: Um, But yeah, so... We recorded this episode before recording this little introduction uh, because we didn't want this, this sort of energy to follow on uh, mm. into our record. So let's put this kind of all to the side for now. Obviously, we can't ignore it in New Zealand. Our, our, the country we, we live in is a different place from yeah. now, but- um
2: we we wanted we thought about uh, not releasing anything this week we thought about like going dark for a week um but you know if if all we can do and you know give the world is a silly 2 hour podcast of us shooting the shit about movies then yeah. we were like we should still do that because-, because
1: if we don't if we um don't continue to live our lives and create what we would call comedy or humor um <laughs> You know if if we stop doing that because of the actions of these people, then you know like the hate wins, yeah, and we that that's not the way the world should be that's not what we should take from this it's you need to look at um all the messages of support and love that came out of mm. of this, and uh that's what we're about here at couple of sure about love,
2: yeah. So please enjoy our stupid little podcast, I guess. (laughs) Yeah. And um,
1: we're sorry for, again, we're sorry for being downers at the start of this, um, but we promise there's no more of that. Although I I should say actually that um, if you're familiar with the Millennium franchise, you'll know that this episode will probably actually deal with some pretty heavy themes. (laughs) That's true. That Um, was
2: an unfortunate, uh, uh, you know, result of our randomly choosing franchises. Yeah. uh, Um, Design.
1: Yeah, so obviously, I mean, I guess I would say trigger warning. Yeah, content warning. Content warning. This contains themes of sexual assault. (laughs) Uh, And again, I'm sorry that I had to say that, but uh, yeah, it it, it felt like the right thing to do. So let's uh, take it away with uh, the song Glitched Out, (laughs) which is the name of our theme song, if you didn't know that.
2: Yeah cool thanks guys we love you all thank you and we love you, know, you and please yeah. enjoy this episode hello everybody my name is aj
1: and i'm richard
2: there he is there, yeah, he's over him. there i can see you um this is our Film Franchise Fortnights on the Pop Popture Podcast. This is a podcast where every fortnight we bring you a discussion, a a review, a dissection of a different film franchise. Um, if you're joining us for the first time, what are some episodes we can recommend? This one. This, yeah. is a, this will be a good Just one. Just keep listening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't turn it uh, off. <laughs> Um, and today on the show, uh, we're going to be reviewing, discussing or dissecting. I'm not going to say "and" because depending on your definitions of all of those words, <clears throat> you may have different um, different feelings about them, but we are going to be talking about the Millennium series, um, which is a hard franchise to try and like advertise that we're watching, because how many people do you think know it's called the Millennium series? <laughs> Everyone. You reckon everyone I wouldn't yeah. know if I didn't look at the Wikipedia Wikipedia oh. page. I don't well,
1: think. I guess uh this is one of those things where I'm just smarter than you.
2: That's tr- That happens um frequently. Yeah. But I use the word frequently, which is more yeah, complicated. A, I don't know, than know what often. that word means, sorry. <laughs> it means often.
1: Oh, okay, yeah, cool.
2: Do you ever watch Everybody Loves Raymond?
1: Uh we've talked about this so many times. And
2: there there was one where, where the guy, the dad, Frank Boyle, was like, "Make up your mind, America. Is it often or often?" (laughs) And I, whenever I heard that joke, I was like, "I wonder what that was written as in the script." You know, because it's all in how he pronounces it. Surprisingly, though, we're not here to talk about uh, everybody, loves, everybody Raymond. loves Raymond. Not this time, but yeah, the Millennium series, or maybe more well known as the Girl with the Dragon Tattoo series, or the Dragon Tattoo series, yeah. or one of those. The
1: Dragon Tattoo stories, as like it's become, <laughs> you know, like official marketing has called it.
2: Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, the the Millennium series is a series of crime thrillers. Uh, that are almost entirely based off the Swedish novels by the late Stieg Larsson. Am I saying that correctly, to your knowledge? As far knowledge?
1: as I'm aware, yes.
2: Stieg Larsson?
1: There's a few um, assumptions on pronunciation that <laughs> I'm going to have to make.
2: <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's, there is going to be a lot of Swedish in this episode <laughs> from, from two people who... Don't even know how to pronounce Swedish, let alone... I don't know how to pronounce it.
1: the word Swedish.
2: Swedish. Um, the, so the novels that the the films are based on, they're all published posthumously, uh, with the first novel coming out in 2005, and his second two coming out in 2006 and 2007, respectively, and he died in 2004. Um, the fourth novel, on which the fifth film that we'll be talking about <laughs> is based on, was written by... David Lagerkrantz. Lagerkrantz, yeah. Lagerkrantz. I presume uh, so,
1: yeah.
2: Yeah, and that was released in 2015. Uh, so depending on who he's you ask- And still That one wasn't yeah, posthumous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Depending on who you ask the and what like parts of IMDb trivia sections you read, the films span across two and a half different canons. So there's, there's a trilogy, there's a Swedish trilogy, an American- adaptation not a remake it's an, they're pulling from the same source material so it's just a another adaptation and then uh a another movie which depending yeah some say it's a sequel some say it's not yeah it's like uh, a we'll soft reboot that. yeah I guess, soft yeah. reboot is, is common commonly uh is what it's referred to as uh the so the movies star numi rapace am i saying that right yeah
1: N- Sh- like would it? do you reckon like We've gone into a lot of detail for not saying what the films are.
2: What have we've, What do you mean?
1: We haven't said the names of the films.
2: The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, I've said that.
1: Yeah, I know. But yeah, I don't know. It seems like to g- get into starring, all right, all right. we should say Dragon titles Tattoo. first.
2: <laughs> the Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, The Girl Who Played With Fire, The Girl Who Kicked The Hornet's Nest, The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo Again, and The Girl on the Spider's Web are the five films.
1: A new Dragon Tattoo story.
2: That's not written anywhere else but the poster so i didn't include it but we can talk about that later on if
1: you I'm like i'm sorry i'm sorry i mentioned titles
2: <laughs> so these movies star numi rapace michael nyckvist rooney mara daniel craig Claire foy and sverer goodnessen Gidn- uh who all play the same characters goodness. <laughs> um yeah so they play lisbeth salanda and mikhail Blumpkvist. Blum- Blumquist, in different films, um other well-known actors that I'd heard of who appear in the two American films include Christopher Plummer, stalin Scarzgard, Robin Wright, Lakeith Stanfield, and Stephen Merchant. Anyone else I'm missing?
1: Oh, that's a pretty good list you got there, mate.
2: <laughs> sweet, sweet. All right, here we go. We're cracking into it now. I'm going to tell you what they're all called. Uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. so the first film to to be released was called the girl with the dragon tattoo that was released in february of 2009 and directed by Niels arden oplev and what do you think that has on ron tomatoes
1: um i'm gonna say mid to high 80s
2: Yep, mid to high 80s is exactly it. It's 86. Nice. Uh, and can you give us like a brief synopsis of what The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo is about?
1: Right, so it's sort of uh, two stories that converge. So you've got uh, a, a journalist called... Um, <laughs> Michael Blomqvist. Blomqvist. Blom, I, I always get confused because um, he's played by an actor called Michael Nyqvist, and, yeah. <laughs> and, and they they have yeah, they're yeah. very similar names, but they, I should say, as I should, say, the late Michael Nyckvist, mm, Um unfortunately. But mm. yeah, uh, so he has just lost a libel case um, for you know slander, but when it's written, it's called libel. As um, Spider Man taught us, oh. <laughs> uh, and but he gets hired by the patriarch, I guess of um, the Vanga family the
2: corporation. Yeah, yeah they, yeah, they have a business,
1: and uh, he says, "Look, this, the, the, this, this girl, in my family was killed forty years ago. She disappeared forty years ago. That his niece, and I want you to." To find her killer, yeah, and then at the same time you've got Lisbeth Salander, who is uh, what's like the word like a ward of the state kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, and she uh, is currently she's like
2: cyberpunk goth. Yeah, she's kinda. she's a she's a computer
1: yeah. hacker. She's a yeah. cyberpunk. She. Uh, was the one she does like background checks yeah. because she, you know, she's so good at hacking into all the systems and mm-hmm. finding all the secret information.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And eventually, Michael finds out about Lisbeth and says, "You know, this is the perfect person to assist me in this case."
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And there's also quite an important. Uh, scene a very harrowing scene of uh sexual assault that happens, and um
2: it kind of informs uh, lisbeth's character yeah so Th- she's a she, very feminist uh f- like strong feminist stories that are sort of a- sort of about the uh the horrible extremes of misogyny like all all five I would say that's what they're trying to convey yeah, and so yes. there's a lot of hard stuff in these movies
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, but basically, I mean, I don't know. Do we spoil what the 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 case? We, how the, yeah, the case we'll be ends talking
2: up? about spoilers plenty. So just spoil. it. Okay,
1: so so it turns out that uh, Harriet, the girl that we're missing, is still alive, mm-hmm. and uh, you know everyone's
2: well. She she, <laughs> she is. So she escaped her to- her home because her father and brother were abusing her her whole life. And yeah. So, so
1: yeah, like the the her father was a, a killer of women and yeah. then when she finally managed to stop her father and, and kill him um and her brother witnessed it and it basically just turned him into his father
2: yeah and so the there's a the climax of the film is basically them uncovering that it's one of the unsuspecting members of the vanga corporation's little island where they all live and don't talk to each other <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah Cool. So that was uh, followed by The Girl Who Played With Fire in September of 2009. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so the same year. This one was directed by Daniel Alfredson, which is a yep. distinctly non-Swedish <laughs> sounding name. But there you go. That'll be the only one. Um, well, I guess until we get to the American That's
1: ones. the only non-Swedish name we're saying.
2: Yeah. Daniel Crack.
1: <laughs>
2: uh, what do you think the girl who played with fire has on on tomatoes?
1: Uh, I'm going to say lower than, um, than Dragon Tattoo. Yeah, uh, I'm going to guess seventy-two. It's
2: got seventy, so Oof. very close. And what's this one about, Richard?
1: Uh, so this is when it starts to get quite complicated. So I, I had seen these movies before. Yeah. Um, but the only thing I remembered from the second and third was the name Alexander Zalashenko.
2: Zalashenko.
1: (laughs) Because it's such a fucking cool name. (laughs) It's it's so much fun to say. It's so much fun to hear people say. Uh, But obviously, it's not a very fun character. Mm. Uh, So, (laughs) essentially, in this one, it's like, a, I guess the main kind of storyline is it's like a cat and mouse game, right? So, the... Uh, Elizabeth's rapist ends up, shows up dead. And so obviously that makes Elizabeth a prime suspect. Um, but she, Elizabeth, being pursued by this kind of like hulk of a man yeah. <laughs> who's, uh, you know, hot on her heels. And then eventually it's revealed that that's actually her brother. And this mysterious Zala is Alexander Zalashenko, who is her father, Mm -hmm. who she, we see, do we see this at the end of Dragon Tattoo? Yeah, we did. Um, That she sort of followed him out to his car one day, poured gasoline all over him and lit him on fire and he survived it. He's now an old man with a cane who's severely burnt and ends up having a fight with uh, Elizabeth and which ends with a bullet to Elizabeth's head, Yeah. Um, but she survives it. Yeah, and she ends up in hospital.
2: And uh, she kind of so Niederman is the name of her brother, um, mm-hmm. and what was another oh, uh, the oh yeah,
1: the Hulking person was a yeah, yeah was yeah, her yeah. brother.
2: Yeah, uh, and the the aftermath of her trying to burn her father was she got sent to foster care or well, not foster care even like a, a an, as- an asylum basically. Yeah. Um, where she which is was. why she's
1: now ward of the state
2: yeah cool all right and richard what the next what the next film that what? came out huh was called the girl who kicked the hornet's nest in november of 2009 now, that's a very long title
1: to, yeah <laughs> <laughs> the <laughs> girl is, who kicked it, the hornet's nest in november of
2: 2009 <laughs> it is it is important to note as well that it is hornets plural so it's hornets apostrophe nest not hornet the nest doesn't belong to a hornet. It belongs to several of them. Yeah. There's also, it's a metaphorical nest. So <laughs>
1: yeah, I mean, that's just grammatically correct. Yeah, it's I know. Not...
2: It's just, it's, you don't, you don't often see plural ownership. I feel not in titles anyway. Uh, <laughs> What a what a dumb observation for me to break, make and think it was good enough to bring up on pod. Yeah, it um, was. <laughs> so this was also directed by Daniel Alfredson. What do you think this has on Rotten Tomatoes? Uh,
1: this is clearly the worst one, and I know it's considered the worst one. Uh, and I, from memory, I don't think it's fresh, but I think because it's like a it's still a foreign film, and uh, you know, it, it's got that kind of prestige to it. I don't think it's gonna be that below fresh. So, I'm going to say 56.
2: 54. I think for each of these, you've got two off, two digits off. Well, I guess you said mid 80s for Dragon Tattoo, and it was 86. All right. So, what? Yeah, is- I was thinking
1: 88 in my mind.
2: Right. There you go. Um, <laughs> what I'd is. <laughs> what is Hornet's Nest about, dude? Tell me.
1: Um. Okay. I am. So Hornet's Nest.
2: <laughs> I am I desperately know. trying to recall this film. <laughs> um. uh,
1: so Girl Who Kicks the Hornet's Nest is sort of the, it's it's essentially, it, it's the, this is when the, the series becomes very much a two-parter. Like, yeah. Um, So yeah, I mean, it is a trilogy, but it's very much Dragon Tattoo is kind of one thing that hints at the next chapter and then uh, Play With Fire and Hornet's Nest are, are two, you know, halves of the same story. Yeah. So this... Uh, begins at the hospital and uh, you know she's she's recovering but then it kind of it turns into uh the, the sort of trial of Lisbeth Salander yep so
2: Zalashenko survives and he's also in the hospital and yeah. there's there's like a i so forgive me because this i the whole movie I had one burning question that doesn't really get answered um but there's like a a syndicate or a secret society that want lisbeth dead because she knows that zalashenko is a bad dude and they kill zalashenko at the start in the hospital and then uh she they're trying to kill her the whole movie but i don't know why i don't know what their deal that that like sect steel was um mm. I think it maybe I, it'll be
1: explored in a later film kind yeah. of but not really
2: <laughs> maybe um and so yeah it, 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 they basically catch her and her doctor um, who who treated her when she was in psychiatric care and growing up uh, his name is Dr Talaborian um, and he basically is a bad dude and so <laughs> she has to prove that she's not a liar. Um, very, very pertinent to uh, cases of like he said, she said kind of stuff that you get going. Yeah, but there's obviously
1: the the bombshell is that she actually has like you know video recording of yeah. of her being raped by her yeah. um guardian, I guess guardian, is the right yeah. word. Yeah.
2: yeah, yeah. So yeah, we we end it there with that that original uh, Swedish trilogy and. I guess the only other thing I would mention that's of interest is that the second two films were made to be straight-to-TV movies, but because Dragon Tattoo did so well, they released them in cinemas, which is interesting that you'd get three separate films all in the same year all released in cinemas, and they're yeah. all sequels, you know. Sweet. So uh, a while later, in 2011...
1: Uh, Ages later. Age what is that, like two years
2: Two almost? You're yeah. right. It is two. Wow. The number 2 shows up Time again in this podcast. <laughs> uh so David Fincher got his hands on it. Now David Fincher oh, being, oh, oh, oh. being the um the one of the the best direct working directors alive probably. I'd mm. be comfortable sticking yeah. my neck out for that statement. Uh he got his <laughs> hands on it and he made the girl with the dragon tattoo an American version. Uh what do you think that has on Rotten Tomatoes?
1: Um
2: or Rotten Tomatoes. Uh
1: uh-huh. I wonder like in your script you've written how that was written. It wasn't. I can um, send
2: you a screenshot. I just thought of it on the fly. Wow. I that's know.
1: that's insane because it's such a funny joke. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm gonna say What did the first what did the original have? The first says eighty six. I'm gonna say eighty six.
2: It does. Did you know <laughs> that? Did no. you know that they were the same? No. Because I thought that's an interesting piece of trivia, is that they're both ranked the same or ranked rated the same yeah all right um i don't know do you, do you want to go over the plot yeah, I think again? it's not
1: really like <laughs> there it's a, a lot of you know american adaptations will add something or th- there's like you know you think oh maybe there's like a famous thing that was left out of the book that was brought back into this or something it's it's a very i mean i, I haven't read the book but it's a very faithful adaptation of very the very similar original. To,
2: to yeah very similar to the other Swedish film as well. Yeah the, the I mean, they don't they don't change the small.
1: names. They they the all name. keep their like Swedish sounding names even though they varies from person to person what kind of accent they speak with. Yeah. Uh but yeah it's it's the actors they cast some of them are just like Yeah, he's the you know the the American version of that actor or British version oh, of that. Oh
2: yeah um Daniel Craig is Hollywood Michael Nyquist. Yeah, and, <laughs> like and if if Michael Nyquist didn't look like a real person and he looked a bit more like chiseled and handsome, he would be Daniel Craig. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
1: that's yeah, it's it's ridiculous. Yeah, uh, but yeah, I mean, there's not really much to say in terms of the plot. It's it's, it's the exact almost, same thing. It's it's, yeah. it's, it's the same.
2: Uh, sweet and then uh in 2018 so the longest gap between films mm-hmm. um quite a wide margin since the uh first three were months apart yeah. <laughs> we we got the girl in the spider's web last year in 2018 um weird weird watching. A film I saw in cinemas a few months ago, again, for this podcast. Has that ever happened
1: before? It's the most recent film we've ever done for the podcast. Not only in terms of um, from now, it's the most recently released film we've covered. But I think other than going to the movie specifically for this podcast, it's the most recent one we've had to Uh. rewatch, which is going to be... That, that record's going to be broken very soon.
2: <laughs> yes. Um, uh, I, I guess another fun fun way to look at it would be it's a movie that wasn't even beginning to exist when we started the podcast. Yeah. But I guess that you could probably say that about a few others, to be honest. Yeah. Um, like, I'm
1: sure they didn't think they were doing a fourth Pup Star movie.
2: <laughs> they actually had. They had planned. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. They we're were going to do it. Uh, so this was directed by... Fidi Fide? Fide Fid? I
1: think it's Fidi.
2: Feedy Alvarez. or is well, we, no, sorry, Fidi. Fidi. I think it's Fidi. Fidi Wop. Yeah. Um, is directed by Fidi Alvarez. Or before we've called him the Feet.
1: Yeah. Um, Feed. Feed. Feet.
2: Uh, yeah. So he directed it. Uh, and what do you think this has on Rotten Tomatoes?
1: Uh, this is like forty, isn't it?
2: Yeah, forty yeah. percent. And what is this film about?
1: Uh, so this is this is really interesting because it's a yeah like I said, it's a soft reboot because obviously we didn't get an American version of um Play with Fire or Hornet's Nest, but you are there are elements of those hinted at it, but it's also supposed to be I guess a sequel to the American Girl with the Dragon Tattoo mm. and it's just implied I guess that the other two happened, but at the same time. It kind of ignores all of that in and terms it's supposed of continuity. Story.
2: Yeah, in terms of continuity, it's one of the weird, weirdest like examples of how to handle the idea of a soft reboot. <laughs> because yeah. it's like it doesn't quite explain everything it would need to if it was a standalone. You know, like there's stuff yeah. that it's, it assumes you'll know because you know the story, um, or the, at least the mm. series. Uh, and as I said before, this wasn't based on a Steve Glasson book. Uh, this was based on what's his name. David,
1: David Lagerkrantz.
2: Lagerkrantz his first novel, which he because he took over from Larson. Yeah. Um, what well,
1: like, do you mean it was his first in the series or it was his first novel ever?
2: It was his first in the series. Okay, yeah. He's I think he's pretty acclaimed outside of Right, it. yeah. Uh yeah, so what's it about? What like this, Yeah, so this yeah. is
1: uh there's a one of those kind of like like Rabbit's foot in um, Mission Impossible three, one of those like end of the world kind of mm. MacGuffin's. And it's a computer program. The guy who invented it enlists Lisbeth to um to to steal it back, essentially, because yeah. it can't it can't be destroyed, it can only be moved. And then Lisbeth ends up wound in this web huh, mm. of kind of the the this thing that's bigger than than we are, but <laughs> uh and also introduces the character of her sister. Who's never uh, been
2: not even in the novel, apparently. <laughs> yeah. What, sorry, she she is mentioned by name in a Steve Larson one in one of the the original three, but never seen. So I guess it's not too bad. Right. She, I think yeah. it says she has a twin and one yeah. of the uh Camilla Yeah.
1: And she uh yeah, so she's like the anti Elizabeth. She's got yeah. blonde hair oh, and dresses in red. Oh my
2: god. And yeah essentially she she's like the head of the spiders which yeah is the, the, group the that spiders, are which to steal. is
1: which is kind of what was referred to as the section is that right in right. hornet's nest
2: ah oh, was it I don't know. yeah,
1: I think so, and that's uh yeah so i I guess it's the same thing because it's it's they mention Zalashenko, or they mentioned mm-hmm. her father at least, and you can see on screen that his name is Zalashenko. Mm-hmm. and yeah, also, while at the meantime, as well, Lisbeth has to take care of the guy who created uh, the what's the end of the world technologies? It? It's like Firefall. Or something I don't like know, but I can't
2: remember. It's such a generic, like, this is yeah. like taking all the uniqueness that is Dragon Tattoo out of
1: yeah, she, she has to take care of his son after he dies, yeah. And then there's also an American FBI agent played by Lakeith Stanfield, yeah. who... Uh, you know, comes to Stockholm to, to stop her and they end up teaming up. Yeah. Uh, yeah.
2: Mikhail but, shows but, up uh, as well. Um, yeah. It's a very- And he's younger and, and yeah. him,
1: uh, arguably more handsome. Yeah.
2: And it's it's a very, it's like, this is what it is. So I'm not really making a metaphor here. It's the the series, a series that has been previously crafted by quite creative and or, you know, auteurs now being handed into more inexperienced uh, storytellers, both in terms yeah. of the novel, the guy who wrote it, and yeah. the guy who directed it.
1: Because I'm pretty sure that The Girl in the Spider's Web, the novel, is kind of considered like an affront to the original trilogy of novels. Really? And the movie, I think, because you and I both saw the movie in cinemas. Yeah. I went to go see it, like, I think, like opening weekend. And, and I'd heard it was terrible, but I I love the David Fincher version so much. Yeah. And to a lesser extent, the original and, and the sequels. But it is a franchise that I actually care about quite a bit in some ways. But then at the same time, I went to go see this and I was like, this is not as bad as all of the critics are saying. Yeah. Um, because it, it kind of got destroyed by critics. And I think Fede Alvarez... Is a very competent director. Mm. Um, but yeah, the, the, watching it again, there is a few problems with it, which I think we'll get to yeah. more later on. There's one that was like, that showed up for me that I do want to talk about later on, that I was very much like, oh, I didn't think about this right enough very earlier, cool. but this is actually a massive offense.
2: Wow. Yeah, it's... <sighs> it's such a strange movie because it's like uh, uh, one thing we'll talk about as well is that this was the answer to years of people clamoring for another fincher dragon tattoo movie yeah and and
1: like even rooney mara everyone involved wanted to do that rooney mara kept her nipple pierced for years because she was like well i mean uh, ear tongue nose i could do those again but i'm not fucking getting my nipple pierced again
2: Um, All right, so what did you think of the series? What was your favourite and how would you rank them? I need to to start changing up how I write that each episode or else it's (laughs) going to become a segment. (laughs) Uh, No,
1: I mean, just just lead into it, I reckon. Okay. Make it like a little song or like a little rhyme and you Mm. say it the same way every time. Um, Okay, okay. so as I mentioned, the girl, uh, Finch's version. What what are we going
2: to (laughs) use? I've called it, yeah, Finch's and... The Swedish versions, I guess. Yeah, okay.
1: So and then just spiders where spiders web, nest, yeah. play with fire. Yeah. Uh so my my favorite is David Fincher's version. Mm-hmm. David Fincher's one of my favorite directors. And this this is one of those things where like for any other director, this would be their masterpiece. Yeah. But for Fincher, it's like this is probably in his top five. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's not even definitely in his top five. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And, but at the same time, I think it's probably one of my favorite. I think it's a perfect film. I think it's so beautifully crafted. And one thing that David Fincher is like an absolute master of that I think maybe he doesn't get – I mean, in certain circles he does, but that maybe he doesn't get enough credit for is that he is like a master of pacing. Right. Because especially like – it's it's super obvious in films like Zodiac and uh, The Social Network that, I mean, they, these are quite long films, but they fly by. Like, The Social Network is such an easy watch mm-hmm. in a lot of ways because you can put it on and next thing you know, it's finished. But so much happens and it's a really hard thing to explain to someone who's not, like you know into filmy kind of terms or storytelling kind of terms and even to someone who is it's it's still a hard thing to really identify but i mean if a film never feels like it's a chore watching it or it never goes you're never struggling to keep up with it yeah uh those are that's good pacing and and also that's one of the like things that's oh how do you define good directing it's those kind of things
2: okay it's interesting you should bring up pacing specifically because i think the ending of this film drags like i enjoy it but it i and i remember thought thinking that because i saw this in, in theaters um and i've only seen it twice like then and for this podcast yeah and i remember thinking when i walked out of it that was so good until it just wouldn't end and because i think that there's there you can read some stuff online there's a great um lessons uh from the screenplay video on it about how uh the story is split up into a 5 act structure which uh, I won't go into too much but basically yeah. that's that's more typical of a cop <clears throat> drama than a movie
1: yeah um, it's also like it, it's very international as well
2: yeah and so both Lisbeth and Mikhail have like uh background stories that sort of like play out while they're trying to solve this mystery and in, a, in any other movie, you'd, and it's correct, right? You solve the mystery and then you wrap up the character arcs. If you can do them yeah. both at the same time, you can. But they take just as much time to wrap up the character arcs as they do to solve the mystery. And so you get this really exciting, like, climax. And then maybe the last half an hour of the film is very... I want to use the word, like, bureaucratic in comparison. Like, it's it's all about, like... Uh, doing, you know, uh, laundering money and and basically clearing Mikhail's name since he was uh, going to jail for, or, you know, because of the, the libel stuff. And yeah. that's, I, lo- I love it too. I love, I think, in, in general, I'd say Finch's Dragon Tattoo is by far the best film. <laughs> like, by far the best yeah, film. Yeah, 100%, like, watched, but yeah, 100%. Like, I can
1: understand why people want to leap to defending an original. yeah. But and especially a foreign language film. Yeah, but it's, Fincher's version is better in every single way.
2: Well, it's not be- because it's not an American remake. It's a David Fincher film. Like the, yeah, yeah, this, yeah, yeah. It's not the case of of it being the of American version. It's it's like this is. David Fincher, regardless of his, you know, what country he's from, this is a David mm. Fincher film. We're not talking, you know, in comparison, the Swedish ones look like like made for TV movies. Yeah, so
1: we're not talking about this or this.
2: <laughs> we're talking about this. <laughs> Yeah. Just an obscure
1: SpongeBob reference there in the middle of your Millennium Trilogy podcast.
2: There we go. Uh, all right. So, <laughs> what.
1: Uh, but, so I do just want to say before we move on, my ranking. I was
2: about to move you into it. So, we're Well, on the same all right.
1: Page okay. Well, you can't because I'm going to do it myself. Okay. Uh, okay. So. Do it. If, now I don't want to. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, my ranking Girl with Dragon Tattoo 2011, David Fincher's version firmly at number one yeah then i would go the original Swedish version because yep. i still think uh it has the best story the, it's, the, it's like so the, good the, as well the like storyline of dragon tattoo is by far the best Yeah. then i would probably actually go the girl in the spider's web and again i enjoy this a lot more than Other people did, and when it comes to and the spider's web, it is definitely a soft reboot. It serves a different purpose than the other ones, I think. Mm. I I, this kind of wants to be a female James Bourne, yeah, Jason Bourne. Sorry, James James Bourne, um, from Busted. Um, (laughs) it wants to be the uh, one of the three singers of Busted,
2: right? Interesting. I did not (laughs) pick up on that reading when I
1: watched. it. (laughs) Uh, It wants to be, yeah, like a female Jason Bourne or like. You know, begin- It very much feels like the the leaping off point of a new franchise. And the characters kind of don't feel like themselves in a lot of ways. Mm. And, yeah, but having said that, I think it's still quite a watchable and enjoyable film. And it does what it's trying to do quite well. Yeah, And then I would go- Play With Fire, Hornet's Nest. Yep. Hornet's Nest's biggest, uh, my biggest gripe with it is that uh, Elizabeth and Mikael don't interact until literally the last scene of the film, <laughs> like the last minute of the film, yeah. essentially, which is, they have such great chemistry. And in the first four films, they don't interact in the first hour. Yeah. And then the spider's web fucks it up and they interact 29 minutes into the film. And I was so pissed off because I was like, ah, this would have been my- you know, my, my fun bit of trivia. But
2: it is a really creative writing exercise to keep your characters however, apart.
1: However, they're actually not in the same room in Spider's Web until after the hour point. They interact in elevators on opposite buildings <laughs> and they talk on the phone. So they are on screen together at some parts because of the way it's shot. However, they actually aren't in the same room in the first hour of any of these films, which is quite an interesting fun fact.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I would more, agree, more or less agree with your ranking. Finch's tattoo is Finch's the girl with the, finch, the dragon with the Fincher tattoo. He's like, <laughs> I love Fight Club.
1: Uh, <laughs> but yeah. Tyler Durden is my idol. I completely <laughs> missed the point of that film. Uh,
2: Finch's dragon tattoo is by far the best. Um, yeah, then original Dragon Tattoo, which when I watched, because I watched the original one first this time, and I, that was the only other one I'd seen before. After I watched Finch's version in 2011, I, I watched the Swedish version, mm. uh, and I, I'd seen Spider's Web as well. Um, but yeah, the the original Dragon Tattoo, or the Swedish one, it's so good still. You know, like watching it, I was like, oh, oh yeah, yeah. this story is so my favorite part, one of my favorite pieces of storytelling. And I think they do it better in the Swedish one than Finch's one is when um, they get, he has like a photo of Harriet at this parade from, from the day she disappeared. And he finds the negatives of the photo and enlargens the like, the alternate versions that weren't published you know because it's for a magazine or whatever and he you know slides through them and you see her face slowly turn and see someone and her face drops and she leaves and these photos i was like that's so fucking good that's such (laughs) a good visual storytelling it's captivating and it's a you know it's a murder mystery right and now we have this like this bomb Mystery. drops yeah it's so yeah. it's it's so good um so i th- I thought that was just handled a bit better in the swedish one than the fincher one where it goes past a bit faster uh, and and also they also find out someone's taking a photo, in the photo where she sees someone. So he has to track down the opposite photo and find. It. It's excellent. It's really yeah. good, like murder yeah. mystery. I, stuff. I do
1: love a good like murder mystery slash like detective story. Yeah,
2: yeah, exactly. Uh, then yeah, I would go second place. I've kind of tied. Played with fire and Spider's Web. I think Played with Fire is truer to. Um the original vision film, yeah yeah obviously because yeah. he wrote it but spider's web is a hell of a lot easier to watch uh because yeah. it's simple uh, and then and Hor- it's in
1: the language that we speak yeah
2: yeah no but even just the plot's pretty complicated and played with fire like you know <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, and then hornet's nest is dead last i agree um yeah so here i've got a couple of things I, I i've got one kind of example of what a good good way to explain why Finch's version is superior in, okay. in my in my eyes um so w- w- Lisbeth, uh she, as we said she gets um she gets raped by her new guardian, and the reason she has a new guardian is because her old guardian uh has had a stroke, so she needs to be given to to a you know she's a ward of the state she's given to a new guardian and in the Swedish version it's like your your guardian's had a stroke. And in the Fincher version, it's like she goes to his house and she sees him lying on the floor and she like helps him up and like coddles him and, and looks after him and stuff. And I do we even see him in the Swedish one? I don't think so, no. So that's just an example, right? Of like showing mm. that this is someone she cares about and a place in the world she's found that she's got a guardian who trusts her and lets her have her own money, and then this new guy is the polar opposite, who's not only like an asshole, but then also assaults a her. Yeah, uh yeah. and so that's that's like an example of what I would call better storytelling because we establish uh we establish she's got a good relationship with her original guardian before we find out she's got a new one. Yeah. Um but that being said, there are a few other things I prefer about this the Swedish version. Um as I said before, I do think it wraps up at least quicker or more efficient than than Finch's version. Um I don't know. Maybe you disagree. It sounds like you disagree, but uh no,
1: no, I I mean, when I say it's better in every way, I mean
2: <laughs> Except
1: the end. <ending>. You know. <laughs> no, I mean it's not like I don't know. What do I don't you really think- count that as a way. You right. Know? You- I guess. You- it's like it's better shot, it's better yeah, crafted, yeah, for sure, it's for better sure. acted. Like yeah,
2: yeah. Absolutely. Uh yeah, so it just ends quicker, I guess, which is nice coming out of the climax. Um and I also really love in the Swedish version that when Lisbeth chases Martin who's revealed to be the bad guy, um, he like drives off a a bridge and his car topples over and sets a light. And in the Swedish version she walks up to him and watches him like burn alive and she can yeah. save him, but she chooses not to. And that's very that's a very extreme uh and powerful view like when i watched it i was like well this is what it's like when uh like lisbeth's rapist is you know has all the power the, the power yeah, dynamic it's, shifts it's,
1: yeah essentially because the the movie is about and the whole franchise really is about the the power dynamic between uh, woman and the men who abuse them yeah exactly and uh this is the tables being turned yeah and it's know?
2: it's really good whereas in finch's version he drives off the the bridge or something he doesn't he like skids out of control and crashes and then as she's walking towards the car the car blows up and i wonder why they did that i wonder if there was a it was like a morality play and like mm. it, it's like the the fact she watches him burn alive is something like you know uh, uh mikhail would have saved him you know, maybe it's it's something yeah. like that. They didn't want to show her as so merciless. Um, yeah,
1: I mean, yeah, it could be one of those things that's actually not in the book and they chose to yeah, maybe. Um, adapt it more faithfully or something like that. I mean, I, I I don't know this. I'm just spibbling.
2: Yeah, yeah. No, that's a good point. Yeah. All right, so uh, Millennium... Is an interesting franchise to talk about because in a lot of ways as we've kind of just discussed now it actually kind of fails miserably as a franchise you know this is the franchise podcast and what we're really talking about is one really good standalone movie which was made twice and then a few <laughs> like vastly inferior sequels yeah <laughs> um so my main issue with every sequel including the spider's web whether or not you consider that a sequel or not is that the story gets way too personal and i think before I'd seen them, I assumed that they were all Lisbeth and Mikhail solve a crime together, right? Yeah. But Dragon Tattoo is so good. Uh, Dragon Tattoo is the only one that is that, basically. And it's so good because it isn't a case that's directly linked to either character, but it is their personal yeah. histories which allow them to be the kinds of people who would be attracted to that mystery and solve that yeah. mystery. So in terms of Mikhail, he's kind of, it's like his one shot to get out of you know, to, to, to make some money before he like in the, I think in the Swedish version, he's going to jail for three months. And in the uh, Fincher version, he's just, you know, his name's been tarnished. So he's like down on his, like, he's got nowhere else to turn. So he takes the job more out of like, it's something, he's got no other choice. And for Lisbeth, it's like, there's a fantastic little soundbite, which I feel like they would have made for the trailer for the Fincher version, but it also just is, it's like, Finch is real good at like dialogue porn. I love Finch's dialogue so much. And yeah. not that he writes his scripts, but still. Yeah, well, I mean, he,
1: he teamed up with like Gillian Flynn and Aaron Sorkin. Yeah, true. Um,
2: yeah. And, and, and basically when they first meet in Finch's version and uh, Mikhail's trying to convince her to, to follow him, he goes, I want you to help me catch a killer of women. And it's such a sharp line and it catches yeah. her attention. And it's so like, this is what the movie's about. It's about a killer of women you know and yeah. all the all the implications that come, come with that and like if you're thinking about feminism or whatever they're there and they're there <laughs> feminism or whatever well you know what I mean like, like the, the film <laughs> it's like
1: the, your, the opinion of someone who says feminism <laughs> um, it's like yeah feminism yeah he's mentioning it and then Immediately following it with or whatever, just like <laughs> makes it sound like I'm a feminist. such sensually I'm a proud statement.
2: feminist. So feminism, yes. Um, so yeah. th- 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 do you know what I mean? It's because feminism <laughs> is very much. Um, you might laugh at me for saying this. It's an undercurrent. No one says you're a feminist in the movie. the The movie is feminist in the actions it shows, not in the the message it's preaching. Yeah, with dialogue, right, yeah, sure. and so that line is like real emblematic of the series. Uh, and so what what I was getting at was like. Lisbeth is attracted to this case of solving a kill of uh, the murders because you know, one thing we haven't mentioned is that while Harriet disappeared, they basically work out that there've been a series of women being murdered over the over like the same time period um, that they yeah. think are pretty are intrinsically related for reasons that you can watch the film and remind yourself of in. yeah
1: yeah yeah <laughs> yeah um, and then it's also funny how. So, like you mentioned, that's got like that dialogue point, and, and also like not only is that a great line, but it's the 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 um, Mikael saying that he deliberately is saying that to get yeah. her on board because he knows yeah. how to word the case, yeah. and then uh, there's kind of and it's it's a very trailer line, yeah, as I said. it's yeah, yeah. it's yeah, yeah. Um, but then spider's web and another sort of pale imitation. <laughs> kind of thing has the line are you not lisbeth Salander, the herter of men who hurt women yeah and it's like it, it just it's kind of an awkward line and it's also like the fifth to last line of the film <laughs> um and, which is kind of just like a weird thing yeah to, do you remember to, in that to have yeah
2: do you remember in that trailer um she's like why is it lisbeth why is it that a spider doesn't get caught in its own web and mm. then that line's not in the movie, and I was like, yeah. "It's a cheesy line, but it's a good line." I don't know. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, th-
1: that, one of those like metaphors. Where it's like, ooh. it's a like, good, it's a good metaphor, for the world of the film.
2: <laughs> <laughs> what does it mean? I hope one day I'll work out what the movie, the title of the movie of my life is called, based on some real good metaphor that someone says <laughs> to me. I'll be like, "That'd be a good title for my movie about me in the meta universe." Mm. <laughs> so my main issue A
1: title about me. It's called a title about me. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, so all of the sequels and Spider's Web, if you consider a sequel or not, are so they're pretty much all about Lisbeth's history. So I like I literally groaned when we find out that Zalashenko and Needham and uh, her father and brother and the girl who played with fire. I was like, "Oh, why they, brother and father?" I kind of hate like familial plot twists like that because they actually don't mean that much. Like maybe I'll speak. I can't speak for everyone, but if I found out, if I didn't know who my like long lost brother was, and then I found out he was my nemesis, it didn't didn't really change anything.
1: You'd be oh, <laughs> like, it. lazy writer.
2: Like, I guess maybe it, it would change something if you were, like, looking for your brother the whole time or whatever. But in this case, she doesn't even know she has a brother. So it's it's so needless for Neederman to be, to, to to for her to need a man. More like needless, man. <laughs> it's so needless for her to need a man. Uh, <laughs> oh, my gosh. Uh, that's why. <laughs> uh, yeah. And so I, I didn't really like that. And the the... The film that played with fire does have a B story, which kind of operates as that external case about human trafficking, in the same way that the Harriet mystery kind of is in the first film. But it ends up being like intrinsically related to Lisbeth as a person, you know. Yeah. Um. And then Hornets Nest is pretty much solely about Lisbeth and her court hearing, and it dredges up stuff like her uh, that uh, that like I felt crafted her character. Like we're informing yeah. a character and it repurposes that to be front and center. This is the plot. And I kind of wish, if there was going to be a court case in it, I kind of wish that was the B story and we had a case be the the A story. That's interesting.
1: And we'll, I guess we'll kind of get to more of that in my continue the franchise. But I kind of disagree with you. yeah
2: oh, okay. Interesting that you would tell me that.
1: <laughs> uh, all right. Why?
2: I don't know. Uh,
1: so <laughs> it's not interesting. It's boring.
2: <laughs> uh, spider's web, as I've called yeah, it here.
1: Let's talk about it. Let's talk about spiders' web. I'm ready. Let's go.
2: Okay. For as much shit as it gets, I feel like it is the closest to the dra- to Dragon Tattoo. In terms of what Dragon Tattoo promises for its sequels, or what I was expecting the sequels to be, yeah, okay, yep, because it's actually about a problem that's bigger than Lisbeth, and although, like, it's like it's her sister, and the plot is saving the world, which is such a signpost of a sequel that's jumped the shark, is when it's gone from a personal story to saving the world,
1: and 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 for the record, these issues are with the novel as well. We're saying, like, you know,
2: um. Yeah, that's that would be what I would say is, is what I find interesting about Spider's Web, I guess, is that it's- Yeah, I'd
1: say Spider's Web is more franchise-friendly. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and especially with that's what it seems like they were trying to do is mm. like – make make a a James Bond for feminists yeah. essentially yeah. like you know the this this kind of this role that can be recast every
2: now and then and is about saving the world mm. with a with a technological twist but that's i think if you were, if instead of doing a female James Bond Lisbeth Salander should be the that's a good idea if they just haven't done it well <laughs> oh
1: no yeah I, I i agree and that that's why i was like uh, I mean, it does well what it's trying to yeah, do. Exactly. I mean, it, I don't think the box office results, um, you know, lend themselves to creating a franchise. But, yeah. uh, I mean, Lisbeth's a great character in four out of five of these movies. <laughs> and one of them, she's Claire Foy with a haircut. <laughs> um, and, yeah, it, it, it is a really interesting thing. because, But at the same time, it's one of those, like... Why do you have to take an existing character? Why can't you just, you know, mm. create a strong female character that can lead an action franchise? That's a,
2: that's another interesting way to look at it. Yeah,
1: yeah, but um, but at the same time, it's like you know, obviously there are reasons why you take an existing character because mm. it's easier. <laughs>
2: yeah. So not to encroach on continue the franchise just yet, but this does encroach on it. But don't don't well, okay. then go like well my idea is this um yeah. unless your idea is what's a- your <laughs> idea for the <laughs> yeah. uh, so i th- overall as like a b- in broad strokes what i've been saying is i think there is too much coincidence in the sequels and it pulls the characters towards each other where a dragon tattoo was a happy accident like they need to remove all the personal ties i didn't like that bjerman who's her her evil guardian i didn't like that he was a main pl- part of the sequels
1: yeah, although I do want to say that because it's in Dragon Tattoo, it's kind of it, I don't know if gratuitous is the right word, but it's like a very the like the the because the, there is an explicit rape scene yeah. in these films. It's not it, it's not you know we see what he's going to do and then it cuts away like you you kind of mm-hmm. it, it's 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 there and I like that that actually became. Very important. the fact that we see it became very important yeah. in the sequels, yeah, um, and because because she films it and we see that footage in every film, yeah, yeah, and so I think us recognizing what it looked like, mm. you know it, it became very important. and I like that it sort of justified itself by making that a very important plot point, sure
2: that I guess what what I'm more getting at is like the sequels don't isn't like mikhail reconnects with lisbeth after a couple of years of not talking to her and he's like i need you to help me with another case because that's more intriguing to me than by coincidence their lives end up together again
1: yeah 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 it's the it's the pixar thing of uh, coincidences to get people into trouble are clever yeah but coincidences to get you out of trouble is lazy storytelling yeah
2: I mean that's kind of the opposite of what I'm saying, because it's the coincidence that they could get them into trouble, I guess. But
1: Yeah, but I mean it's more that like he's getting the, out
2: of trouble in the sense that that he's got all this oh, with Lisbeth his buddy. Here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. He they needed to just forego with finding clever ways to reintroduce them back to him and just have him ask her. Because he would. You know? Yeah, yeah, Mikhail's yeah, yeah. a, a yeah. kind hearted that's what I love about Mikhail Blomqvist. He's just like he's just a really warm dude. <laughs> Do you feel yeah. that? Like he's just a real nice guy.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
2: yeah. Uh, one of the one of the scenes i always remembered even from when i saw saw dragon tattoo in the cinemas in 2011 is after i think it's after um the guy who's hired him henrik has a has a stroke or something like that and everyone like the the whole town's in, in panic the whole like vanga families and panic and then uh um, Mikhail runs up to one of the characters who's in the car, and he's like, "What's going on?" He's like, oh, "I don't know." And, he, and Mikhail goes, he like taps the car, and he goes, "You've got to go." And like, but it's like a he's understanding that he can't hold him up. It's like a very human moment that's always stuck yeah. out to me as real good acting from Daniel Craig. Um, who I yeah, actually, it's, an, it's
1: an interesting um, character for Daniel Craig. To yeah, play well. I
2: really like him and Dragon Tattoo. I think it's a it's, yeah. it's strikingly different to James Bond, which I think is what everyone was expecting it to just be the same as. Like he's yeah, because you, yeah,
1: you look at the um the marketing for the film, it's very much like it's my mar- it's kind of marketed as like a detective story, yeah. but there's kind of more to it than yeah. that. Um, but yeah, because Daniel Craig, everyone just associates him with this with the stoic, mask, super hyper masculine character that he hates playing. Yeah, <laughs> but when you see him having fun and and uh, having fun is maybe like yeah. something like Logan Lucky, is very obviously having fun. But I think he he definitely enjoys doing something like dragon tattoo a lot more and i think if you stopped him in the street and you were like oh my god i loved you in um the girl with dragon tattoo he would be a lot more willing to have a conversation with you about it than you know interesting um, theory
2: try it out everybody (laughs) yeah next time you see him in the street
1: yeah it's it's like i mean um Harrison Ford if you say oh, I love Anita Jones or I love Han Solo he's just like oh, no, 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 I'm Harrison Ford but if you are like uh, Blade Runner was the one that he always liked talking about.
2: Mm. I, um, I really love yeah. the interview after Blade Runner 2049 came out where they're like so what did you think of the film Harrison and he goes can I swear on your show and they're like yeah and he goes I thought it was fucking awesome. <laughs> and it's like, like, Harrison Ford's kind of been on record for promoting his movies quite well like he'll Say he like he 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 scolded Shia LaBeouf for speaking out against Kingdom of the Crystal Scale, but there was something so genuine about it that is like I believe Harrison Ford felt that twenty forty nine was an important movie for his career. You know, yeah,
1: he's definitely like that's the character he asked to revisit. Mm. You know, whereas the other ones were like you have to. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. whatever. But yeah, Harrison Ford's got like great, very dry, very understated sense of humor. Yeah, and I think a lot of people don't get it but once you're kind of in on the joke of harrison ford and interviews and stuff like that he's a very funny man yeah yeah exactly but we're not here to talk about no (laughs) what we are here to talk about is girl with dragon tattoo and Mm. one thing that i loved about this film uh is
2: actually not in the film well we're only here to talk about the girl with the dragon tattoo oh oh, sorry okay
1: harrison uh, ford <laughs> harrison ford is beautiful in the girl th- no uh as as the titular girl with the dragon tail. Yeah, as the tattoo the tattoo is actually <laughs> like it's on the imdb trivia it's like the tattoo is actually um, of actor harrison ford
2: it's voiced by harrison ford <laughs> <laughs> the tattoo talks uh
1: yeah no this had one of the fincher version one of if not the greatest trailer of all time i think it's a very interesting trailer because so it's, a, this is the original teaser I'm talking about. It was a minute and a half long, essentially. And it has a cover of Immigrant Song, sung by Karen o of the Year Ye Years, composed by Atticus Ross and Trent Reznor of Nine Inch Nails. And it's every single beat. So it's like, do, 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 cuts. And so there's a new, shot every single it, it, there's like, a
2: new dragon tattoo story every second <laughs> yeah
1: it's more more than every second i can't and, yeah. and in 90 seconds there's over 160 cuts just in this trailer and you can't tell what the story is uh but it gives you you it captures the tone the sort of jarring nature of it tells you that you're in for quite a confronting story uh the imagery used in the trailer uh, the, the the cinematography is beautiful and i believe it was the trailer was edited by david fincher himself right um and it's ju- it's a, it's actually a work of art you know mm. and when i spoke to when i when jeremy and i interviewed zoe the movie trailer editor uh we talked about trends in movie trailers and she said that when the girl with the dragon tattoo teaser was released everyone was like do us one of those Wow, um, and so i mean it's it's inimitable, yeah, but well, i mean it's it's obviously very imitable because it's got such a clear style and kind of an easy way to
2: <laughs> yeah it's it's not too hard to do yeah that. uh
1: but you know obviously you'd it's very obvious what you're trying to do it's not it's not like the um the slowed down. Piano version of a current song that's sort of you know could be from a few different places.
2: We Uh, like to party, (laughs) party with Molly. Yeah, that it like plays (laughs) slowed down, creepy versions.
1: Yeah, yeah, but yeah, uh, and I believe that trailer
2: was leaked early. Yeah, there 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 was
1: issues with the trailer, and then I remember they also released the the like story trailer was eight minutes long. Oh my goodness! Yeah,
2: that's bad.
1: But no, it's just really interesting. I had really interesting marketing this film. Yeah, yeah. I know that the like the main trailer was about three minutes long, and trailers tend to be two and a half. so yeah. um, and I remember reading this years ago. I never see it mentioned, but like uh trailers have to be two and a half minutes, and like I think it's either once or twice a year. each studio is allowed to go over that once or like once or twice. Um, I don't think that's true anymore,
2: surely, like trailers,
1: yeah, I guess because trailers are such a different beast now.
2: Yeah, mm-hmm. maybe I'm just noticing the long ones that are the ones they're going over with each year. Yeah,
1: and well, I guess like this is just for theatrical trailers as well.
2: Yeah. Do you remember the movie Your Highness? Yes. That was like the I remember distinctly that being the longest trailer of my life. <laughs> Such a long trailer. It was like three and a half minutes. Yeah, and it's a bad movie. <laughs> <laughs> cool. All right. So, what it, being being that we are slowly like building a mental encyclopedia film franchise four nights of the, the science yes. of a franchise um i guess spider's web is a specific category that we've not really talked about too much on the podcast before which is the idea of a soft reboot as a continuation i don't want to use the word sequel because a reboot isn't a sequel yeah. uh, but it is part of a franchise so the basically every source online refers to this as a soft reboot like yeah. It's every time you see it written about, it's written with an air of like, nobody really told me if this is a sequel to the Fincher version or not. So I don't really know. <laughs> and I don't think even The Feet knows. I don't <laughs> I think he made it so that it could go either way. Uh, because yeah, I think it never, it's one of
1: those, like, if it's successful, we'll be like, oh, yeah, it was. You know, it'd be yeah. part of the same thing. And if and since it wasn't, they're like, it was an attempt at rebooting well, it.
2: the, the, It's The uh, recent application of that would be Bumblebee, the Transformers movie, which wasn't a yeah. reboot until it did good. And then they're like, yeah, it was a reboot. <laughs> yeah. Because um, what are some other uh, soft reboots that you could, like, are there any other sequels you can think of that maybe aren't sequels and just continuity shifts? I'm sure James Bond is full of them, to be honest, whenever they switch between.
1: Yeah, like, Casino Royale was kind of a big one. Yeah, yeah. Which is also a Daniel Cray.
2: Oh um, shit.
1: It's the only one other one I can think of.
2: <laughs> yeah. Well I mean plenty of the, the older ones do have like a distinct change in tone whenever they change. Actor, I guess. Um yeah, I I choose to think of it as a reboot. I prefer it as a reboot and not it's it's as a sequel because
1: yeah, I, I like the term soft reboot.
2: Yeah, mainly my main um, piece of evidence for this is Mikhail is younger and has a Swedish accent now, mm. whereas whatever I don't know what Daniel Craig's Mikhail's story was, but he had his English accent. So yeah. maybe he was a, a Swedish, an English-born Swede or something like that. Whereas yeah, Mikhail, I mean, there's, Mikhail's there's now. There's thousands of reasons that coming, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, now Mikhail's like a, um, a, as young as, as Lisbeth and has a Swedish accent. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And, and kind of, cause, cause, in, in terms of a soft reboot, it, it does kind of, um, it, it kind of waters down a lot the characters in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. So, like, Lisbeth in, the original, the original Tridge, and especially in Fitch's version, mm-hmm. is this like social outcast. And it's very clear why. And she's doing it to herself. And I mean, maybe it's just because she's gone through the events of uh, Play With Fire and Hornet's Nest. But she, like I said before, she is just clear Foy with a haircut. Mm. And I mean, obviously, she's more than that. i it? so hyperbole. <laughs> um, but... There is a kind of a few things that betray the character of Elizabeth, and there was one that stuck out to me watching it again. And I, I'd be interested to get your take on this because it does feel like it's intentional. And mm-hmm. so, like, it's one of those things that's like, it, it's so, it's almost so bad that they can't have meant to do it. And I, like, they have to have meant to do it. And I'm, and I'm reading it wrong. But, right. so. The villain in the film is Lisbeth's sister, and the film starts with them playing chess together, and then Zalashenko comes into the room, and basically, you can tell he's going to abuse them, yeah. both sexually and physically, and Lisbeth escapes. She jumps out the, out the window and escapes, runs away, and And then leaves her sister. And the final confrontation of the film is Elizabeth and Camilla on a cliffside. And Camilla does, you know, why did you never help me? Why did you leave your own sister? Are you not Elizabeth Salander, the herder of men who hurt women? And she says, every single day, you chose not to save me, kind of yeah. thing. And then Elizabeth says, you chose him referring to her abuser. Yeah. And Camilla, according to your Wikipedia, Camilla realizes the error of her ways <laughs> and steps off the cliff to her death. Now, this is the final... And then there's a couple more scenes, but they, they both have words. So, You Chose Him yeah. is the final line of the film. It's Lisbeth's final line. And to me, that goes against everything that Elizabeth stands for you like it's a it's it's a variation on yeah it's your fault you got raped
2: yeah totally and I, yeah I totally see what you mean it's good I did when I heard it again this time round. I did think and that that thought kind of like floated through my mind but I was so bored there <laughs> but I just wasn't really concentrating but yeah no that's a good point yeah
1: and, and that's one of those things, I I don't really see it mentioned, but it almost makes this the worst one, you know? Yeah, it's like, cause like, it's,
2: it's like what we're talking about on the Oscars episodes, how, like, I would rather watch Crash than Around the World in 80 Days, even though, like, Around the World in 80 Days is a less offensive movie. Because there's, there's two types of bad. There's mm. bad because it's boring and bad because it's offensive, if we're talking about... either franchises or you know that kind of thing Mm. and so yeah this is one of those things where it's a it betrays the spirit of the character because you know one of the one of the most famous kind of conventions of uh feminist film would be the Bechtel test which if you don't know says that uh to pass the Bechtel test you have to have two named female characters talk to each other about something other than a man in your film and the fact that this is all about a man and yeah. and not not in the same way. Dragon Tattoo is all about a man because Dragon Tattoo is all about a man in the sense that they're trying to catch a, a killer of women. And in this, it's like, and it's not like it's a romantic thing because it's their dad. But it is still, yeah. It's it's like it's all coming back to how they were treated by a man and not them finding their own emancipation, which I think is, yeah, what what Steig Larsen would have wanted and wanted to go for.
1: Yeah, but I do. It's a very deliberate choice because the following scenes have no dialogue to make you chose him be the last line of the film. And yeah. Wikipedia referencing that is Camilla then realizing the error of her ways like, oh shit, yeah, it was my choice to get systematically abused for yeah, yeah. for years and, and killing herself because of it. And I, I like I want my reading of it to be wrong, but yeah. I don't see how- that works. Or maybe it's because the way Elizabeth looks over the, the cliff after she's after Camilla's fallen, maybe it's, you know, real, now uh, Lisbeth's realizing the error of her ways. But, I mean, I can't think of another way to read it other than- Yeah, she's victim blaming her. Yeah, essentially. And that goes against everything that <laughs> yeah. Elizabeth s- stands for. Hard Being out, a survivor dude. of sexual assault herself- yeah how can you say that to another woman <laughs> and i can't imagine what because you know you know like girls dragging to defer as harrowing as it is and as triggering as it may be for someone to watch that's gone through that kind of thing it's it's empowering to yeah. to women especially that, that's and,
2: that's what i was saying to um i have a flatmate who i invited to watch yeah. the fincher version with me and i told her i said this has um like a rape scene in it but it is one of the most quintessential examples of like a fuck yeah I'm a feminist movie, yeah, and
1: <laughs> <laughs> and Spider's Web deliberately chooses yeah to undo all that and yeah and, and and I can't imagine what that would be like and because you know obviously like the word triggering is is thrown around as kind of like an insult for millennials, but I mean it is a very real thing that that can happen to people. And, well,
2: even even taking away buzzwords from it, it's disappointing as well you know yeah but i mean like if
1: you were a survivor of sexual assault and the final line delivered by (laughs) your feminist hero is can be summed up as it's your fault
2: That must be horrible. She's also saying you chose him in the context of when you were a powerless little girl, you chose to stay. Yeah. Whereas I chose to run away in the snow, which is Yeah, whereas
1: I chose (laughs) to fall to my death and happen to survive it.
2: Yeah. Uh, Yeah, totally. I love how how this is this revelation for you that Spider's Web is the worst one, whereas, like, dragon tattoo purists are probably like,
0: what are you- Of course it's the worst one!
2: No, I mean,
1: like, (laughs) and- I, I can see every way why this is the worst one. The the whole end of the world plot. Yeah. and And I'm sure the book is worse. I'm sure the book is worse. But uh, yeah, this is, it's offensive in a different way that I didn't pick up on the first time I saw it. Because the first time I saw it, I was like, yeah, it's obviously not as good as Finch's one or even the original, hmm. but it's it's not trying to be. It's trying to be something different. And- Yeah, I think I I picked up on a lot more of that, and especially going from watching. And I I actually watched them out of order. I watched um, David Finch's one first because I started watching them on the weekend. And for so long, I've been trying to get Jess to watch David Finch's one because I'm like, this is a real fucking good film. Yeah. (laughs) And um. Yeah, and then I was like, Oh, if I do it, then it'll be like Tuesday night by the time I get around to watching Finch's version. So I was like, let's watch this one. I want to start on a high. Yeah. And then I can watch the other ones just on my own time. But yeah, I do I do also want to talk about uh now that I've like now that I'm off my high horse, I'm gonna tell a story that I'm telling to try and make myself look cool, but it's gonna make me sound like a dick. As, very as cool, very Richard on way. brand. <laughs> yeah. Uh but so uh, well, you and I, we were both went to film school. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll call it. And <laughs> on our first day, they did like, oh, stand up in front of the class and tell us a little bit about yourself and and tell us your favorite movie. And a girl in my class was like, "Hi, my name's blank." That wasn't her name. I'm I'm blanking it out for to for privacy mm. reasons. And she was like, "Oh, my favorite movie is um the one where." You know, like, oh, it's, it's it's quite, it only came out a couple of years ago, and it's, like, the black-haired chick, and she's kind of, like, a punk, and just kind of, like, poorly described the girl with dragon <laughs> tattoo. And I was, like, you mean the girl with the dragon tattoo? And she was, like, yeah. And I was, like, fun sale. I was, like, what, like, I get you, you want to sound cool by listing that as your favorite film, but, like
2: remember the name of it if you're going <laughs> to tell the class and at film school yeah what your favorite film is and it's but- by an auteur director that any any film student worth their salt could fucking <laughs> tell you that it's, yeah. it's david finch's the girl with the dragon tattoo
1: yeah uh and then and i also think that and because i was like oh the like do you mean like the girl's dragon She's like yeah and I was like, the, like the original the remake she was like oh like I just thought that's you know didn't the even original know
2: it was a or the remake is like something someone if they were writing a character who was a nerdy film student in like the Simpsons that would mm. be like a line of dialogue they'd write in there the
1: original <laughs> or the remake well yeah because it was just like it wasn't like um actually was it a, <laughs> it was more just like what are you doing? just just
2: casual yeah kind of like yeah like okay like yeah. like
1: because it's like oh because she, cause she was kind of like as a class, can you help me work out my favourite film? <laughs> and I was like, it's the girl with the dragon tattoo. Yeah, okay, there's two movies. Which one is it? <laughs> oh, I didn't know there was two. So the American one. Okay. So. Dude, she's
2: not allowed to have it be her favourite movie. I'm calling it here. Um. All right, okay. Uh, if we can move into another conversation, if, if unless you want to keep yeah. staying up on your high horse about being cooler than other people was that uh you no, can stay I, feel, up I, I feel
1: like that comes naturally when yeah. i converse with you yeah
2: true it's, no i agree um <laughs> and so okay so we haven't really mentioned it yet but a big part of at least the first film and it kind of holds over it looms over the sequels is that uh lisbeth and mikhail uh, become romantically involved and Ooh. the way it's presented in the movie is one of the most interesting ways i've ever seen like uh, they get together trope play out mm. and so the question and I, I i actually looked this up and found some cool interpretations of it but the question i have for you is why do you think lisbeth bangs michael Mikhail? because she chooses to do it she he's, I, he's yeah, like i mean you clean. just answered the question no but why did i guess why does she choose to do it
1: um i think we see throughout the various films that Elizabeth's a very sexual being Mm -hmm. um and i mean there is things about um uh like empowerment you know because this is after she's been raped by her guardian and i mean there's so many different ways to read it one is just she enjoys sex and Mm. she's staying with a man and she's like yeah i'm gonna have sex with him um you know or you could read it as like because she very much i mean obviously it's consensual but she it's it's her you know kind of take he your wasn't expecting off. it take your he, clothes was, off yeah. we're doing this because i want it yeah. um and you know i'm choosing to do this essentially and so i guess you can look at it as like she's kind of taking back her sexuality yeah, after yeah. it was kind of stolen from her and or it's like a preemptive she's kind of been betrayed by almost every man in her life and she's doing this like preemptive i'm
2: taking control over you in a way um i want to i want to pick on that point because i think yeah. that's key to it because um there's there's a one but i i the very subtle moment in finch's one that i think is quite cool which is she's using his laptop this is after they've like um You know, teamed up, and she she wakes up and she's using her laptop. They haven't slept together yet, and she's he's like, "What are you doing?" She's like, "Oh, going through your notes." And she like, you know, she's looking at something, and she's like, "What's this?" And he walks over to her laptop and he does that thing, like you know, when you're teaching someone how to golf. And you, like, put your arms around them and hug them. Yeah, you know? I'm
1: always teaching people how to golf.
2: Yeah, yeah. Uh, and he does – he kind of – he puts his arms over her to, like, check something. And she, like, flinches. And he doesn't look too awkward. He doesn't think it's that big of a deal. But he goes, like, oh, sorry. And, like yeah, – he, he, like, he picks up on it, yeah. Yeah, yeah. He picks up on it and, like – um does you know a very small, very quiet apology, and they move on, and it's not a big deal, but it feels it's such an intentional moment of of direction. I, you know what I mean? Yeah. And
1: Finch's Finch's like that's kind of as bread and butter as those moments where it's like uh, you can tell at the time. Like, why did they include that? Yeah. Yeah. And then, exactly. And then it's paid off.
2: Yeah. off gun, yeah. baby. Yeah. Um yeah. It's so, not. Even, it's not
1: even I, necessarily that it's like this moment is set up and then paid off. It's just oh, it was hinted at here when yeah, you watched yeah, again yeah. yeah,
2: And so um. That's like a microcosm of, I think, the key to why she sleeps with them Because there's not really any romantic tension between them before this moment. In fact, I think that's why it sticks out so much. is because she barely even seems to like him. Yeah, and I think
1: when I first saw these movies, when they came out in 2019, 11 kind of area, um, I was a bit like, oh, that was very Mm. out of left field. But I think having matured myself,
2: you know. There's, there's a sense to it that, she, that that small moment where he, like, gives her her space, um, it's like that's how she she approves of him. And combined with yeah. things like themes of, like, a woman taking her sexuality, like, you know, having control of her sexuality and, and stuff like that, like, all combined into this thing where it's like he is the only man in the movie so far except for her first guardian who doesn't seem to be trying to take advantage of her in some way. And so... In a yeah. way it's like that's what's attractive about him to her. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. that's yep. it's, it's you, you Google why does Lisbeth and it auto completes Sleep with Mikhail in, <laughs> in Google. So it's like, you know, it's a it's a very strange but um uh intentional Yeah, uh, And I'm moment. sure
1: that people more well read than us could, could could, you know, have very some, well-written essays yeah. about this uh you know with, with looking at it from a feminist angle and yeah and for sure kind of
2: and i'd love to hear them but the the one of the answers i read on um on some of these forums was like uh mikhail is a is larson inserting himself into the story and so maybe he just wanted to have a sexy girlfriend and everyone like hounded on this guy like larson was a a t- Dorch feminist and like being I mean, mm. like that's not true. He wouldn't do that. So a lot of lot of Larson um, defenders out there are not you know good on them. I guess yeah, Larson apologists. <laughs> because he uh, like it just
1: correct me if I'm wrong, but he only wrote three novels. It was these ones, and he got, they were all released after he died, right? I'm
2: um, no 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 idea, but they yeah, if, if he wrote three and they were all released after he died, that would suggest he's hoarding them or yeah. problems with – Yeah, but you know, and public.
1: it was like I think there was.
2: I've heard tell that he witnessed a sexual assault and didn't do anything to help her. And that's what inspired the books. That's like right, the, that's like the, um, what's that Phil Collins song? It's like, oh, he saw uh, someone in, drowning in the air of the night. Yeah. The, oh, yeah, in, yeah. in the air in, of the in, night. In, in the I, air I night.
1: said in the air of the night is what Eminem calls it in Stan. But, but yeah. Um, yeah.
2: Yeah. You know how people talk about the the origins of that song and it's not even true. That's what I've heard yeah. for. Um, girl with yeah. the dragon tattoo uh, he
1: he wrote some non-fiction books by the looks of it right. and there's like other oh, yeah he's a works, journalist but- so
2: he is a journalist so he yeah, would have written yeah, yeah. other magazines and stuff cool all right so let's let's Talk a little, few fun bits of trivia, and then we'll move into randomly placed trivia. No, not, no, this is trivia about the movie. Oh my gosh, <laughs> I'm so sorry. This is closer to IMDb trivia. Oh my god, please. Um, so offer your forget, offer me your thoughts me. on this. Uh, when when casting started, so Lisbeth Salander for the Fincher version, the role was offered to Natalie Portman, but she declined due to exhaustion, and Scarlett Johansson. Yeah, she just
1: done Black Swan, yeah,
2: yeah, she would have. Yeah. Um, and Scarlett Johansson, but David Fincher considered her too sexy uh jennifer yep. lawrence was also considered but she was rejected because she's too tall
1: yeah um i do remember scarlett johansson i remember david reading a quote from david fincher where he basically said they talk, talked talking about the casting process and said um Yeah, scarlett johansson came in she did a very good audition and she was she was perfect for the part she would have played the part very well but because of the rape scene and 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 the and the nudity required in that, he said, if you cast her in it, people are just going to see this film because they want to see Scarlett Johansson naked. Yeah, and he said the movie then becomes about that, and that's so detrimental to the film and goes against what the film stands for. Which is, I mean, it's true. I mean, like there are people out there who would just like you know this would just be the film where. Because I mean, you look at something like under the skin. Yeah. How much do you know about that film?
2: I mean, I've seen it, but I d- it is also the, the movie that Scarlett Johansson gets naked in.
1: Exactly, and so I think he made the right choice. And it it sounds like it's intensely anti feminist, you know, <laughs> saying um, I didn't put her in the movie because, you know, it, it's her, her being naked is as as a as a landmark moment. But yeah, I think I think he made the right choice because. He didn't want his film to become that, and I think Rudy Mara is amazing in this film. She's, well, she, she she's was Oscar by nominated. far the best Elizabeth, I think. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. Um, And I mean, I'm sure there's like you could look at the, the, the interpretation of the character in the books and stuff like that, but she's the most well rounded character. Uh, the the design of her is amazing, and mm. yeah, I watched, she's, yeah. She's, she's she's really one of those, and uh, kind of everyone. Apart from sort of the supporting players, but I guess mainly the two uh, leads are not who I would who I would have cast. Sure, uh, they, they, or you know they're, they're not like they wouldn't appear in my fan casting of a remake. But fuck, they're perfect, and they're so like yeah. yes, of course this is the your counterpart to the original.
2: Yeah, yeah, and it's interesting you say that she's the best Lisbeth because there was like campaigning to. Uh, recast Noomi yeah. back in for the American yeah I uh, for the Fincher that. version
1: because I mean, yeah I think I'd I'd seen the the original and the sequels before right the remake came out right um, so I was kind of following the mm. the casting and development of it quite I recently.
2: think Rooney Mara is a great choice uh, and it's funny that uh, he thought Scarlett Johansson uh, was too sexy because I I think Rooney Mara is way sexier for the for the reason of you know she's she's way more mysterious and odd looking um yeah sure and and i think i think uh what's interesting i think i feel like this was the first rooney mara movie i ever saw and then whatever i saw her in next no i would have seen the social network but she wasn't really a household name by that point yeah
1: which is also like why he was um hesitant to cast her i believe
2: right um but, yeah, and, and, like, how different does Rooney Mara look in this movie compared to yeah. most of her other roles? Like, it's insane. Yeah.
1: Yeah, she, she, she's amazing.
2: All right, and uh, Johnny Depp, Viggo Mortensen, Brad Pitt, and George Clooney were all considered for McHale. What do you think of that? Uh, Vigo's probably the most interesting to me
1: oh, i mean vigo's the the best actor i mean like just not even <laughs> out of that list he's just the best R- actor I right love vigo right, right. I've, yeah. I've got i've gone on such a vigo binge this year <laughs>
2: yeah.
1: um not only watching lord of the rings but i've just like happened to watch all these other ones well, we watched just green like, book as well yeah green book i've also watched cat and fantastic and history of violence i think he's probably my, my, my most watched actor this year yeah interesting. actually no actually don't no, tell you what Kate blanchett is because she's uh. in all six hobbit movies and i also watched carol um <laughs> But, yeah, Vigo's second with six films. <laughs> Fun fact for you. Uh, it's yeah, like so- a, that's
2: like a randomly placed useless statistic about your life instead of a yeah. podcast. Also, well, John
1: you know another randomly placed useless statistic about my life is yep. uh, Girl on Spider's Web was the 200th of 251 films I watched last year. And this year, it's the 88th cool. of 88 so far. Um, So, I'm getting through films a lot quicker this year. Nice. But- uh yeah, where were we? I was talking about something. Vigo. Uh, Vigo. Yeah. Uh, or we'll talking about the casting of uh Mikael. So I I do. Daniel Craig is kind of like, because obviously you see him as James Bond and you expect him to kind of look like that. And he I know he did put on a little bit of weight because he thought Mikael should be pudgier then. Yeah. And I mean maybe he didn't quite do enough because he's still Daniel Craig and he's still, but he's not like. He's a very handsome man, but he's not traditionally handsome. I think that's why um, George Clooney or Brad Pitt. Johnny Depp or Brad Pitt would have been bad choices. But at the same time, especially uh, George Clooney and Brad Pitt, I think could have played the character very well because
2: very interesting uh, pl- roles for those both of those actors. It would have
1: been yeah, but they both tend to play like George Clooney. I think would have nailed this. George Clooney yeah. is a really good actor, and he can kind of disappear into roles like this and I, I he's one of those actors that you you always are you're watching george Clooney, but I know he's like puts on weight for certain things and stuff like that brad pitt is a character actor with a lead with leading man's looks yeah um because and it's interesting like george uh brad pitt's one of those actors you think about and you're like yeah he's he's the biggest actor in the world yeah but he's not really an above the title uh kind of you know, that that kind of actor where it's like Brad Pitt is in, he's in Moneyball and I guess World War Z uh, are the only two ones I can think of where it's like Brad Pitt and a bunch of other actors that aren't this actor. And then Brad Pitt in a really good role or Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie in, you know, where it's Mr and Mrs Smith. Yeah, Um, exactly. Yeah. Um, But yeah, so I think Daniel Craig's perfect choice. I think there are, he's not necessarily the only person that could have played it, Mm -hmm. um, but he's, I deeply really enjoy Daniel Craig yeah. and
2: his Mikhail. Obviously. Speaking speaking of him, um, this is something that I read on IMDb trivia and it was something I thought while watching the film. Uh do you remember when Mikhail catches the water bottle?
1: V- yeah, vaguely. I remember this I remember seeing this as a bit of trivia, but not remembering what it was, and then I don't remember Yeah. Uh, when, when is it actually in the film
2: it's i don't know about maybe halfway through he walks into his cottage and he gets something from the top of the fridge and then a water bottle rolls off and he like sort of does this eccentric like lunge and catches it and puts it back up there and watching it i was like that was improvised and they decided to keep it in and um that was improvised and director david fincher appreciated craig's grace and left it in the film <laughs> but i mean again it, it, what i think what i like about daniel craig's mikhail is he's a very real character he feels very familiar and realistic and so i guess that that's another example of that where he's you know doing something as human as catching something as it's falling off a yeah off a i just found a gif of it what do you think
1: Oh yeah, nice.
2: Everybody listen to yeah. the gif.
1: Because <laughs> he, he kind of, he starts to walk away from the fridge and then notices that it's falling and he lunges back on one foot and then does that thing, you know, when you're like catching something that's usually if, like, if you're catching a ball and you kind of, um, your hand makes contact with it above your head and you follow the ball down yeah. to like sort of slow it down with your hand. <laughs> he does that with the bottle where it's like guiding it down and yeah it is very graceful
2: i watched a science of superman documentary once when i was a kid with that's how they explained why lois doesn't shatter to pieces when superman catches her when she's falling off a building there is actually
1: it's um it's mentioned that he he essentially has a power that oh really that that um (laughs) that that solves the issue i mean it's one of those things like in um in the flash it's like speed force it's it's the answer to it's like, oh yeah speed and pim particles in the Marvel universe yeah, yeah. is like this makes no sense this this del- this goes explicitly against what you've established earlier in the film. Yeah, yeah, no, it's pim Particles. Mm,
2: yeah. Yeah, well, look, I'm no Superman, Richard, but what I am is a man who talks about taglines sometimes. Oh. And there are two taglines for Finch's Dragon Tattoo. Welcome to film franchise Fortnite's where we talk mainly about one film and kind of brush over the sequels. Uh, the So the taglines for... Oh, we've been
1: talking for like an hour and a half. That's, why, tr-
2: that's true. Why are we welcoming them now? Ah, uh, well... This is where I'm. I'm going to edit it. So this. If you've just joined us, (laughs) Uh, so Finch's movie has two taglines. One is "Evil shall with evil be expelled," and what is hidden, which ties into the film. And what is hidden in snow comes forth in the thaw, is the other. Now you say they're uh, they're biblical. They're actually not. They're Swedish proverbs. Oh, nice. And apparently, apparently, well, it sounds but local, Yeah, see. yeah, yeah. And apparently Stellan Skarsgård himself, himself a Swede, uh, told them to David Fincher during filming, Fincher liked them and thought they fit the story setting so well he made them the taglines for the movie. They are great taglines, especially evil shall with evil be expelled.
1: Yeah. And um, yeah, yeah, it's it's good having Stellan Skarsgård in the film as well. We haven't really talked about him, but um, a, 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 like a Swede. Yeah, I, I, I remember him like saying he was very happy to, because it's like the first time in like 20 years when he can sleep in his own beard filming. Yeah, because
2: film. he lives in Stockholm. Yeah. Well, seeing as you love talking about Stalin Skarsgård so much, Richard, let's oh move into strategically placed useless statistics. Oh my gosh. Um, so don't say what the other franchise is because it's a spoiler, but this is our second franchise to feature Stalin <laughs> Skarsgård as a character who ends up being the bad guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm not going to say. I feel like it's unfair to just drop what the other one is because okay. you know it's. It, that listen, feels like to, listen to
1: all of our podcasts. Yes, yeah. or watch as, all of
2: the films yeah. we've
1: spoken about in podcast. As a
2: special hint, that kind of just gives it away. If you're you're keen, uh, that other franchise where he ends up being a bad guy uh is also one which had multiple entries come out in the same year as each other.
1: <laughs> yeah. True.
2: Um, this is our second franchise to feature Stephen Merchant in an uncharacteristically serious role after X Men. Yeah, are these played- his
1: only two serious roles? because I know Logan was his first, um, like foray into drama. Yeah, and I'm pretty sure spider <laughs> was the second. And I, I was actually thinking before that we haven't spoken about, but he's really good in this film. Yeah, he I, is I good. his character. So again, it, it's the kind of like yeah, he is a good idea to cast in this role, mm. and. Um,
2: yeah, Stephen Merchant next to Lakeith Stanfield, I'd say he's the probably my favorite character in Spider's Web.
1: Yeah, and Lakeith Stanfield again, we haven't spoken about him much, but fuck, I love him. He's he's yeah, so, he's one of my favorite actors currently working. He's, he's going to
2: be, in in thirty years, I'm going to refer to Lakeith Stanfield as one of the all time greats. I think I love Lakeith yeah, Stanfield.
1: He's he's so, he's great at picking his roles. I do think Spider uh, his character in Spider's Web is a little kind of doesn't necessarily fit the universe or something like that yeah but Um, that's spider's web in a nutshell right exactly the girl in a nutshell Um,
2: (laughs) 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 help i'm in a nutshell sweet so this is our second franchise in which fidi alvarez directs an entry which may or may not be a reboot of the franchise after the evil Mm. dead series because he directed evil dead which most people would call a remake or a reboot but then at the end of the credits bruce campbell and silhouette is like groovy which seems to imply they're set in the same universe just drastically different tones
1: yeah and to build off of that yeah um it's our second franchise which had a beloved original trilogy uh which has had two attempts to either continue the story or reboot it uh which were less successful than the studio wanted them to be one of which was directed by Fede (laughs) Alvarez
2: that's really awesome that's so true so the the evil dead application of that is he directed the remake and then they tried to make a tv series which well we, the tv series it, it,
1: yeah. it, and that's the thing like it did well but it got cancelled before they could finish it so it's not quite as good as yeah, they wanted yeah, it to be exactly um and i mean same with like david finch's one it's like it did really well it's like eh, it just wasn't quite enough to get a sequel
2: yeah Uh, This is our second uh, franchise to feature all but two of the films in a primarily foreign language after Godzilla, though that will change this year when King of the Monsters comes out.
1: I did, um, yeah, I did pick up on that as well, that it's like, it's the same amount that aren't in English, even though, like, Godzilla has 29 in one language.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, The Swedish trilogy is our third foreign film franchise at all after Godzilla and The Raid.
1: Yeah. I did. Um, I did want to know that as well
2: yep and if you count evil dead as having a reboot i'm gonna say it, 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 it's a soft reboot again yeah soft reboot <laughs> um then this is our 11th franchise to contain at least one reboot the other um 10 include let's so say evil dead spider-man teenage mutant ninja turtles a nightmare on elm street friday the 13th godzilla 101 dalmatians the nutty professor hellraiser and halloween Um, You might count Nightmare and Friday the 13th as the same franchise. I feel like they have different reboots in and of themselves, though.
1: Yeah, and uh, that was early in our days. And also, this is the... Sorry, have you listed all 10?
2: Uh, I've got more addendums to the 10, but that's the 10. Oh,
1: yeah, I was going to say that... um, Yeah, this is our second one, which had a franchise which they hoped would make sequels. Um, They they had a reboot that they hoped would have sequels that didn't end up having sequels, although they're still being talked about, uh, which the reboot starred Rooney Morrow.
2: What was the other one? Because she's a Nightmare. Oh, for, of course, yeah. I didn't even think of that. I was yeah, like Which
1: came out the the year before this. Because
2: one of the easiest statistics to conjure up are like this is our second actor or actress film. But I when I looked at Rooney Mara, I was like when would we have watched another Rooney Mara film? <laughs> <laughs> so that, that's really funny. So yeah, um those those are our ten that have had a reboot. If you count Uh, Spider's Web as being the series' second reboot, which I do, uh, then this is our fifth franchise to have at least two reboots after Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Godzilla, Hellraiser, and Halloween. Uh, Though Spider-Man has since had three continuities, or new canons, established since we've covered it, all running at the same time as the like (laughs) Spider-Man Homecoming, Venom, and Into the Spider-Verse. And Transformers have, as I said before, recently confirmed that Bumblebee, which came out since we covered Transformers, is also a reboot of the franchise. So, as always, the more franchises we do, the more complicated these statistics, which should mm, be simple. And the longer yeah. this
1: podcast goes, the more happens that yeah. we're not covering.
2: Yeah. Um, this is our seventh franchise to contain five films after Spider-Man, Scary Movie, Shrek, Twilight, Transformers, and Final Destination. Post-recording editions of those franchises, notwithstanding. Um, <laughs> and meaning that when we covered Transformers, it was only five films, so we discussed five yeah, things. and Spider-Man yeah, yep. yeah, yeah. Um, and the last one tell let me know what you think of this one dude because this okay. might set a precedent for something we have to do for statistics from here on out uh, this is our second franchise to contain at least one film with the word spider in the title after Spider-Man our second franchise to contain at least two films with the word dragon or dragons in the title after Dungeons and Dragons which also <laughs> yeah. has a film called Wrath of the Dragon God or Wrath of the Dragon God our second franchise to contain at least one film with the word fire in the Title after the land before time the stone of cold fire and our first franchise to contain at least one film with the word hornet in the title. <laughs> so, <laughs> oh,
1: it's our first one with hornet. Yeah, it's
2: right. yeah. Um, like what other one has hornet?
1: Then I, then only I
2: one other one has fire though. What a what a common word you think would show up more? Maybe I missed one. I looked pretty thoroughly, but I couldn't think of another one other than the stone of cold fire, which is relatively obscure entry in one of our more obscure franchises <laughs> yeah yeah
1: oh if i find out that you're wrong between now and P- we, i myself. hope you
2: do because i looked for a while um i spent about yeah. an hour on all those statistics because
1: you love being wrong as much as i love being
2: right but if, if being wrong is wrong then baby i don't want to be right <laughs> what <laughs> um So we talk about, uh, speaking of titles, as I just was with words in the titles, um, we talk about titles a lot on this podcast and the Millennium Series, we could do a whole podcast on the titles because they're quite interesting. Um, So let's do it. Yeah. All right. So there's plenty of fun. New podcast (laughs) beginning. (laughs) Hey, welcome.
1: (laughs) um, We're talking about the Dragon Tendida
2: titles. Uh, There's plenty of fun pieces of information about the titles. But first of all, what do you think of the titles as they are? Without revealing any information, either.
1: I really like them, and and we kind of haven't dealt into this, but I love the, um, I guess continuity across or like the the um, yeah, I guess continuity across the sort of franchise, and especially the the original the original Tridge <laughs> is like the because they were all kind of made back to back and released back to back. They're very even though the, the two were meant for TV, it doesn't feel like a massive step down Not in terms all. of production quality or anything like that. Uh, the actors are the same across all of them. Uh, they don't age drastically between films. And the you might remember, if you remember when these films came out, but or if you've seen the DVDs, but the posters of them is just Lisbeth's face with um, a different colour sort of dragon yeah. um, covering, or you know, going all the side of it. Um, and... I've got the original trilogy on DVD, like three different DVDs, and I love the way that they line up in my collection and mm. or whether that's the way they're written on the side There are actually alternate
2: alternate posters there. for the, that original trilogy that um, they aren't that, but they still look quite cool. I'm probably going to yeah, use they, them- Yeah, they still have the motif. Yeah, kind yeah. Of, or the
1: same colour palette. Yeah, I'm probably like going
2: to yeah. use them for the uh, thumbnail for this episode because those are the ones oh, that Wikipedia offers. And so they're I the easier ones to get. I use
1: the other ones because I like them together.
2: Yep. Uh, you, when you want to make the thumbnails, you can do that. Fuck
1: you! Fuck you! You <laughs> knew I would never do it. <laughs> are you going to use the poster, uh, the explicit poster for the 2011 um, one? Because there was a poster yeah. where her nipples are very clearly. Yeah, visible. yeah.
2: Um, I don't know if I can find it. Sure. Uh, Fuck Google Images can. is a wasteland these days, man. It's very hard to get yeah. pictures off Google Images these days. Um. Okay. So it is a cool naming convention. The girl. Th- the girl blank blank blah, blank um but i'm not sure if the girl with the dragon tattoo best emphasizes what's at the center of that particular film
1: yeah because she's yeah.
2: not she's no more the main character than mikhail is i don't think and yeah the, well i mean
1: mikhail's introduced first as well so the,
2: the and yeah and the center of the film is more the murder case in my opinion the best the girl title with the murder case the girl with the murder case the best title in my opinion is the girl who played with fire because it's kind of like quite cheeky, like because she burned her dad alive. So it's the mm. girl who play with fire. Um, and interestingly enough, that is the only title from the series, which is a direct English translation of the original Swedish title, which was Flicken som lekte med eden
1: Yeah, maybe don't do that again. Uh, um, which
2: literally <laughs> translates to the girl playing with fire.
1: Yeah. And it's really interesting that, uh, because yeah, I know that as well, but it's, so the original trilogy, their Swedish titles translate differently, but when they were the books were translated into English, they normalized the titles mm. based on the second one.
2: Well, because the second one's the one that's most open for that adoption or adaptation. Yeah, but, yeah,
1: of course, yeah. of course. Um, but yeah, they, they because because it is a, I, I, I like the naming convention, uh, but it is funny that it covers It's one of those things where it's like, do you know it actually comes from the second one?
2: Yeah, yeah uh so speaking of that the original swedish title for the girl with the dragon tattoo is man sum hatar kvnor which literally translates to men who hate woman i love that oh that's yeah, it's so dark
1: is, um because have you seen the original cover for the books as well yeah, yeah and they're like magazines uh, yeah they're, they're, they're made out like um to be the cover of millennium magazine yeah, yeah. and i think uh men who hate women works really well yeah. in that context because it's it's what would be plastered across the front yeah, of the yeah, magazine about absolutely. this story and um, again the girl who played with fire is
2: like a what Mikhail would come up with and be like oh mm. yeah the fuck
1: this is a real good title.
2: Uh, but do you know what the Swedish translation for the girl who kicked the hornet's nest is? Uh,
1: I do but tell me.
2: Yeah, uh, it's uh, in, in Swedish it's Luftslotet <laughs> som sp Brangdes, which translates oh, yeah, to the castle in the sky. The castle in the sky that blew up. Which is a sentence that just keeps going longer than any title probably should.
0: Um
2: <laughs> uh, the the novel of Spiders Web was originally Det som in Detsom in Dodaros, which translates to that which does not kill us. Um I can, I can definitely get behind Men Who Hate Women and Play With Fire. <laughs> Look, <laughs> oh, I, I
1: 100% support
2: Men Who Hate Women. <laughs> no. <laughs> as a title. It's a real <laughs> provocative title. Um, and, yeah, as I said, uh, The Girl Who Played With Fire is really cool. I don't know if I can get behind The Castle in the Sky That Blew Up. <laughs> yeah. I don't even know why it's called that. Why is that the <laughs> title of the movie?
1: yeah story. Well, and like that's the thing like girl who kicks that kick the hornet's nest i really like as a title because it's the most metaphorical yeah yeah she doesn't actually kick a hornet's no, nest no that's true um and the girl in the spider's web is one that's like oh she's like actually in the web of this mm. organization called the spiders and also like why don't spiders get caught in yeah, yeah yeah
2: but then also uh that which does not kill us is kind of generic I, it's because yeah. it's, it's what makes us stronger right which yeah, which call. would be the sequel. Yeah. No, actually, there is a... David Lagerkrantz has written one more... Currently, there's another one in production, which we'll get to in a second. But there is yeah. one more published one in his, in his like, millennium takeover, um, which is yet to be <laughs> adapted into film. That one is called The Girl Who Takes an Eye for an Eye, uh, or Manin Som Sockdastin Skugga, which literally translates to The Man Who Chased His Shadow.
1: I like I like the man who chose
2: a setter. That's a cool. You wouldn't call title. a movie the girl who takes an eye for an eye,
1: surely. Yeah, that's the thing. Um that's I mean so I funky. thought about I thought of that about Kick the Hornet's Nest. I was like, this is the worst one. But um uh but it also did kind of annoy me growing up. And it's interesting, I thought about these things before um I met you. <laughs> <laughs> but um I did think it's annoying that uh girl with the dragon tattoo is girl with the something. Yeah. Um, was, whereas the other two are girl who something
2: but then the girl in the spider's web fixes yeah yeah it. so that yeah.
1: kind of makes it so it's like oh it's not really a defined pattern yeah, yeah. the two of them just happen to be the same yeah Um. Yeah. girl who takes an eye for an eye I think is the one that works the least as a title <laughs> it's
2: such a clunky title it's too mm. long because I think taking an eye for an eye it's not an eloquent idiom is it Uh, no if it was the girl who takes an eye maybe then Nothing about that's working. Yeah, that's the
1: thing, yeah. The girl who takes an eye. It's like, yeah, I can I can get behind the girl who takes an eye. Oh, yeah. Or like what knowing nothing about it.
2: <laughs> Which what I love discussing it? titles. Yeah. <laughs> like what the, would you call it? Um maybe the girl who chased the girl who chased his shadow. So the his is like the guy who's chasing his shadow and the other yeah, version of the Yeah, I
1: title. mean I, don't know, I I like the girl who chased her shadow. That's yeah, quite yeah. cool.
2: Um so David Lagercrantz whatever he says name is releasing another millennium novel later this year which is called The Girl Who Lived Twice which is a cool title if not a little intentionally derivative of You Only Live Twice um, annoyingly sure. I can't find the Swedish version of this title anywhere that <laughs> it feels like that should be an easy thing to find out but I just mm. I can't if you know what it is let me know and what it translates to Yeah, because I, ca- I, I can I will find I don't <laughs> yeah well, uh, but you.
1: yeah that's I, I do kind of it's I, it annoys me that it's short yeah yeah like the sure. girl of twice you know you can say it in one breath whereas like the girl with the <gasps> yeah dragon, dragon Deadly. Deadly, you have to take two um, yeah. um <laughs> but yeah yeah I, I do uh it's interesting yeah the, 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 it's, it, it is a very interesting franchise to talk about titles mm. um but i mean yeah hey the girl of twice could get a different name if i mean if we can't find the yeah the swedish title it could be renamed by by august
2: yeah. But it, it is obviously. In, They've already released well, the I, cover for it, though, so maybe oh, not. Okay, I, I apologize.
1: <laughs> um, but they. <laughs> uh, I, I mentioned about how this is kind of like. Uh, wants to be a female Jason Bourne. Mm. Uh, and kind of. It's also like adapted from. Well, let me just fact sheet myself. Um, but it's like adapted from a, a book series which. You know, had an original writer who wrote a trilogy and then died, and then someone else took it over, and they weren't considered very
2: good. (laughs) Um, Yeah, nice. So, we've talked about um, a future Millennium story just then. Um so while we're speaking about uh continuing spatiguing. the speaking about continuing the franchise let's do it ourselves Richard let's continue the franchise so in terms of the okay. original Swedish trilogy from what I can see there have n- never been any plans to adapt the Lagerkrantz novels I mean they came out long after um uh, nor were there any plans to make any more Swedish Millennium films in any way, shape or form, though a three-hour extended cut of each film was released for a six-part miniseries in 2010. Yeah. Sorry, can I just quickly
1: interject? Um, yeah, so t- building on the Born thing. So it was um, f- an original three novels written by Robert Ludlum, and then 11 written by someone else. <laughs> <laughs> it's so ridiculous.
2: Um uh, Yeah. Uh well I mean speaking of numbers that are close to 11 um before we get to the very interesting history of Finch's plans for sequels to the American Dragon Tattoo it is worth notice- noting that Stieg Larsson has apparently outlined or had apparently outlined I should say uh plans for 10 books in the series um mm, and right. reportedly a manuscript for book 4 exists but because he him and his partner he and his partner Eva Gabrielson, they never married um so she doesn't legally right, have yeah. the rights to finish the novel despite offering to do so before he died the rights are owned by steeg's dad and brother who apparently are not on good terms i believe with his wife or his partner yeah uh, yeah they're kind of holding them ransom yeah, from what I which remember. is how um david lagercrantz ended up with them uh there's also talk of manuscripts for books five and six being outlined uh for what it's worth if you're interesting interested or interesting because only interesting people will <laughs> want to know this um <laughs> while we're talking about titles just very briefly returning to that larson's fourth book has a swedish working title of goods hummed which translates to god's revenge which if these were james bond style super series you know you make them for years and years and years i do Mm. think using the swedish title translations with the exception of the castle in the sky that blew up i do think the Uh. swedish title translations would suit a james bond-esque series more than the girl who
1: the girl who enacted god's revenge
2: yeah yeah and you'd and like they start they'd start have such like little to do with what's happening in the movie that like you just wouldn't be able to differentiate between like played with fire and and hornet's nest, even dragon tattoo, uh, you could have confused hornet's nest and dragon tattoo, you know, because. Mm. Um, so all right, this isn't as long as I thought it would be. This the history of Finch's planned sequels, but <laughs> okay. um, it is it is you know a piece of of film history that um. It's quite infamous, I guess. So in December 2011, Fincher stated, so this is the same time the movie was released, uh, Fincher stated that the creative team involved planned to film the sequels, The Girl Who Played with Fire and The Girl Who Kicked the Hornet's Nest, possibly back to back. There was announced release date of 2013 for a film version of Played with Fire, although by August 2012 it was delayed due to changes being done to the script, which seems to be like what eventually became the nail in the coffin was these Script changes um, because by July 2013, uh, the script had been rewritten, I think, a couple times and apparently was extremely different from the book, according to Fincher. Um, Which I
1: think is probably for the best since there's such a drop in quality.
2: Yeah. Um, Despite the long delay, Finch was confident that the film would be made given that the studio had already had spent millions of dollars on the rights and the script. Ultimately, it is still unknown why Finch's sequels never really came to light. Uh, Den of Geek published an article which suggested that the film's Christmas release, because this was marketed as the feel-bad movie of of Christmas. Yeah, that's what it says Um, in the teaser. Yeah, yeah. Uh, So the Christmas... Christmas release was an unwise move financially combined with the fact that it was a story. A lot of audiences had already seen before Uh, the article also Mm, argues that two
1: years before as well.
2: Yeah. Yeah. The article also argues that Daniel Craig was poor casting as he's too synonymous with James Bond and that Lisbeth should have been the central character instead of Mikhail. Uh, Really the only thing I agree about with the agree on with this write up is that the ending drags. Is something they mentioned.
1: Uh, Yeah. I do think as well that uh, when you market a film, like this uh, with Daniel Craig in the lead, you kind of expect a different film. And so yeah. I think it's one of those like things like Drive where yeah. it didn't do very well because word of mouth wasn't great because people went in expecting one thing, got something much better, but because people are stupid, they were disappointed. Yeah.
2: Um, fun fact though, the 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 Finch's Girl with the Dragon Tattoo uh opened number three at the US box office behind Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol and Sherlock Holmes, a game of shadows. Ghost Protocol features Michael Nykvist and Game of mm. Shadows features Numi Rapace. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> um so there you go. Uh to be honest though, like Girl of the Spiders Web, that went so under the radar that I don't think it's even unreasonable to think that Finch's sequels might still happen one day
1: yeah and also <laughs> because fincher was attached to world war z is a world war z sequel world yeah. war z for international listeners but um <laughs> they have like world that war z, just I last no month was it was said nah it's not going to happen yeah um which was one of those things it's like um I'm, on I'm, uh I'm, I'm disappointed and it's also not too bad like when um uh, ed left ant-man that it's like ah, oh, i'm gutted that we have to wait even longer for a you know a new ed gride or david fincher movie because it's been five years since his last movie which is gone good which is this fucking incredible movie i love it yeah. but um it's uh you know but then it's also like oh, i'm hopefully he's going to work on a project i'm more interested in than a sequel to world war z although i i was very excited to see what a david fincher world war z movie looks like
2: mm. yeah that's true uh um, it, I, as you said, as you pointed out before, I'm glad that they that he said that it was very different from the book because well his, the script was because after when I was watching the Swedish sequels, I was like, I don't want to see David Fincher make these films like this. Yeah, a hundred percent, nowhere near as good. Um, but that being said, Richard, if Fincher did adapt them, what like Fincher esque actor would you cast in the roles of Zalashenko Ronald Niederman, or Doctor Peter Talaborian for example?
1: Uh man, they're good names, though. Yeah. Um, I
2: I was thinking about this while I was watching it. Um Shall I shall I kick us off? Yeah, go for it. So one of the things I I thought while watching uh Play with Fire was like oh he'd be uh Niederman would be Dolph Lundgren in a I
1: hundred percent thought Dolph Lundgren.
2: And do you That's, know what? What? He turned down the role. So he <laughs> he was like they were looking for a Dolph Lundgren type he turned down the role so they got a guy who looks very similar to Dolph Lundgren
1: oh so he turned it down in the original yes oh know. Yeah. um I he's, it, he's from like Sweden when, you know it was in pre-production or whatever no no but no. um oh that's really interesting because yeah it's very like he's essentially just playing Ivan Drago from Rocky mm. Four. yeah um and Creed 2, Yeah. but yeah, that that's really interesting because the, the the like sort of bleach blonde hair and the mm. unflinching kind of because he doesn't feel pain as well. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. That, that's really interesting.
2: A couple other options for Needham. specifically. probably too old now to be. Yeah, thought. yeah. Needham specifically, I thought um, he looks a bit Ron Perlman as well. Um, yeah. But if we're looking for someone closer in age to Nurmi Rapace, no, to, no, uh, to Ro- Rudy Meyer. Ro- Rooney Mara. Rooney Mara. They're such similar names. Yeah, they have both got double O, which is so-, so uncommon in a first name. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, I thought uh, Dave Batista, which is like the third or fourth time I've fancasted Dave Batista. Yeah, I, I did think a-
1: Dave Batista as well. Um, we're so similar, Look
2: at Us. I know. I, I oh, don't. God. I don't know about Taliborian or Zaleshko though. Zaleshko fields. Um, uh gary oldman-esque but that might just be because he plays a similar role in one of the hannibal movies
1: yeah he does have like actors he works with quite commonly Mm. um he's got like he's one of those those directors that has like recurring collaborators on his wikipedia page um so you know like kevin spacey
2: is on one of them well i mean um uh christopher Plummer's in the first one so (laughs) yeah kevin spacey would be a good zalashenko like, not now, yeah. but if they'd made yeah. it in twenty, I mean, so
1: would Christopher Plummer, actually, to be fair. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> uh, That'd be confusing. for. <laughs> yeah. Joel Kinnaman. Oh, yeah. Um, who else? There's Jared Leto.
2: Yeah, get him to play Zalashenko.
1: <laughs> he would See? do an amazing job as well. I mean, he kind of plays... Um, <laughs> Uh a bleach blonde haired person who gets punched in the face a lot in fight club as well <laughs> yeah, so there's true. no reason he couldn't play Needham.
2: That's true. Do you do you want to do your continue the franchise first or should I do mine first? Um
1: yeah, okay, I'll do mine. That's um what? All right. My continue the franchise is My Perfect Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh it's it's one of those ones where it's like i don't know it's already been done i mean essentially i think you should adapt the ridge tridge as a tv mini series of three seasons each consisting of a few episodes which i know the original trilogy was re-edited to fit um but i mean you could even this could be bring back rooney mara daniel craig to be in it or fan casting i was thinking like elizabeth olsen i think could do it quite well
2: yeah yeah absolutely
1: Um, and whereas for Mikhail, I think it's a bit more flexible. Uh, well, I mean, do you want to throw out a name? <laughs> like of someone who could, play, who else could play Mikhail. Well,
2: after first reformed, I'm like, how, give me some Ethan Hawke as Mikhail. Oh my God. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yes. I, oh. And Amanda when Seidfried as uh, Lisbeth. <laughs> Amanda Seidfried as Lisbeth. Re- that's like real good. Reformed. That would have worked. Yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> oh my God. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So Ethan Hawke as is, is Mikhail. That's amazing. Um, and, yeah, Elizabeth the, the
2: challenge, the the fun challenge for, like, makeup and costuming would be make Amanda Seidfried not adorable. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know? Uh,
1: and I think she would probably like playing the role as well because she's yeah, typecast exactly. as being adorable. Um, Yeah, so uh, do it as a miniseries. Now, my rules for it. Okay. One thing we haven't talked about yet uh, really is uh, the score of Finch's version by Atticus Ross and Trent Reznor. Those yep. the, the, their, their scores are always fucking amazing, and they yep. they suit the tone so perfectly. Um, so they have to do the score. Uh, I think it should be written by Gillian Flynn, who who's,
2: who's that? Huh? Who's that? Sorry.
1: Oh, so she is the director. Sorry, writer of the novel Gone Girl, and she's wrote the movie. Right. She also yep. wrote Widows, the movie. Yeah. Um, so, and she was also working on an adaptation of *Strangers on a Train*, the Hitchcock movie, with to be directed by David Fincher. Although that's one cool. of those up in, his many like up in the air proje- projects. So, I think she's great at doing adaptations because both *Gone Girl* and *Widows* the films were adaptations, um, and also having a female writer. I think, and also ideally, Patty Jenkins would direct this series.
2: I'm loving it, man. I love Patty Jenkins. Um,
1: And because I think you look at something like, you look at the combination of Wonder Woman and Monster, and I think that...
2: She has experience directing TV as well.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think that Lisbeth, especially after watching The Girl in the Spider's Web, here I go, getting back on my horse. Lisbeth, the character, shouldn't be written or directed by a man. Mm -hmm. In film, anyway okay um and i mean i guess like spider's web kind of speaks to this even the the novel from what i understand they're like you know stieg larson maybe was like an exception kind of thing but yeah yeah, i think i would i think the character of lisbeth would be very interesting directed by someone like patty jenkins and you look at monster you know which is about like you know the the the, rape survivor and and, uh, there's someone who sort of takes the law into their own hands when when Mm. exacting revenge for it um And, yeah, Gillian Flynn, again, a female voice who you look at, gone girl, similar kind of thing. A, yeah. a woman who is wronged or believes she's wronged at least and then exacts revenge in her own way. Yeah, And, yeah, that's my franchise. I also good, think man. that the five-act structure of this lends itself really well. And the other thing, and I mentioned earlier that I disagreed with you and I would address it in this, I f- thought that in Hornet's Nest – I kind of wish the court case had been a bigger part of it. I would love if uh, Hornet's Nest, and I mean, it kind of it would be a dr- drastic dramatic shift for the um, the series, but I would love if, um, you know, so the first one's kind of like a, um, is like a detective story. The second one's like a cat and mouse. And then the third one was a courtroom drama.
2: Yeah, that's a good idea.
1: Um, and, but then you could kind of explore that more in a mini series- where you know even if just one episode is devoted to the courtroom drama
2: um i should actually clarify the courtroom stuff was my favorite part of, oh 100 yeah yeah uh, oh Nest it's that was awesome it was more the leading up to that i was like this is easily the worst one and then the courtroom stuff started happening and uh, the reason why i defined it as being the courtroom one is because it's my favorite part so it's the only <laughs> yeah. part i like remember um, from
1: it but yes yeah, so that's my continuing franchise it's, it's another I adaptation it. and it has the potential to be the best one i think with with the yep. talent that i've chosen nice and also actually mm-hmm. sorry ethan hawken is um breaking down his iconic roles said that he loves being directed by women and he feels he doesn't do it enough so he you know there, there
2: you go. go all right so my continuing the franchise is i uh, this is uh, this is an idea i've had before and it's so familiar i feel like i've I was like, "Have I mentioned this to Richard before?" And then, uh, then as we were starting recording, I was like, "Fuck, I might have mentioned this on the podcast like, <laughs> like at some point." So my my idea is it's the ju- girl. It's and- just the
1: TV show. Everybody loves Raymond.
2: Yeah, yeah. No, it's not. Um, everybody loves Lisbeth. Um, <laughs> Sorry, turn not to run. not not every family would go past on a conveyor belt for you, but mine would because everybody loves Lis- Lisbeth.
1: Lisbeth. Everybody loves Lisbeth. Love Lisbeth. Sorry to interrupt your title reveal, I know that's your favourite part.
2: No, it's not the title reveal at all. It's, oh, the Girl on the, it's just The Girl on the Spider's Web, but it's as a video game. Uh, because, okay, yep. have you ever played Heavy Rain? Yeah, man. This Girl on the Spider's Web is, is a movie version of the, maybe not plot, but structure of Heavy Rain. Mm-hmm. And, like, it seems, it's one of those things where it's like, this seems real obvious. Like, it's almost <laughs> like they couldn't make the game, and so they made a movie a movie instead um, yeah. yeah so because it's, it's 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 a puzzle so heavy rain if you haven't played it it's a puzzle based thriller uh where it's you basically play an interactive movie yeah. yeah yeah where you play as multiple characters and that part's important because in the girl in the spider's web you play in quotation as Lisbeth mikhail and needham who's Uh, LaKeith, Uh, Lakeith, Steinfeld's character. They are so... They have such distinctly separated storylines that converge together for so much of that film that I was like, this is heavy rain. This is, you know, this is the... That's
1: really interesting. And and when I said that LaKeith kind of feels out of place, I think that's kind of what I felt. Like, yeah, that's articulated what I felt is that it does feel like you're playing as a different character. Yes. uh, Because he, he has different motivations. His mission feels very different partly because it takes place in america to begin with yeah um but yeah it's like that chapter in last of us where you just start
2: playing as ellie speaking of which (laughs) um maybe you play as the kid that they're rescuing at the end like the second to last level you have to play as the kid um and this might be a bit tedious for those who haven't seen the girl on the spider's web but the final showdown in the house does a really great job um, you know, something this movie does well, of giving every character something to do. And I yeah. figure if you switch between characters and storylines like you do in GTA 5, and if it, you'd get to the point like you play all the available chapters of Lisbeth, and then you have to play Needham. Or but you can switch between them and get to like certain checkpoints where you can continue playing as them. Mm. Um, there's a part in the the final showdown where for example if this was a game version of the movie you have to figure out who do i need to play as to solve to get everyone out of trouble and so what you need to do is you need to play as needham who's got a sniper outside the house and with the sniper you need to shoot the bad guy guarding mikhail so now you switch over to mikhail and you get up and run to lisbeth who's suffocating in that plastic bodysuit and set her free so that you can then play as lisbeth and chase after the bad guy you know mm, what I mean? So, and really cool. in, in your head, you're like, how do I solve the puzzle? Is Lisbeth's dying? Mikhail is um held hostage. Guarded, yeah. the, the only character I can really do anything with is Needham. What do I do? You know, mm. this it's is what a I mean. very hard puzzle, but yeah, 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 sure. <laughs> but but it still it still puts it on you to figure it out. I guess. Yeah. um Yeah. So that's that you know what i mean this is what i'm saying like it feels like i stumbled onto a a conspiracy because that's <laughs> that, that last that scene specifically is built so much like a character swapping video game mm. that it just seemed like an obvious thing so that's my. Yeah. That's interesting mentions, and yeah. for the
1: record you've never mentioned the girl and the spiders were resembling heavy rain on the podcast before okay good
2: or to um, me yeah do, do you agree though like it, it, specifically heavy rain i feel like you need to know what heavy rain like listeners need <laughs> yeah. to know what heavy rain is yeah heavy rain is
1: a very very interesting game it's, yeah. it's, it's a very specific style of game where you're kind of forced to live input, out like, mondanities well, basically and, um like i mean if you if you know gaming you'll be familiar with quick time events yeah um which are when you've got a game that you play out one way but then there'll be it's basically a cutscene, but you have to just hold X to move yeah. out of the way. The whole game is that. Yeah, but it's not the,
2: it's, I, it's better a, than
1: it sounds, like because you get invested in the story.
2: Yeah, I have a love hate relationship with Heavy Rain. Some of it I, I think is really good, and some of it I think is astonishingly bad. Uh, <laughs> yeah. so, so, and I mean that's similar to the Girl in Spider's Web. So yeah, yeah, I yeah. don't know. That's that's my continue the franchise. Yeah, and also
1: like it's it it would um, lend itself really well to, uh, you know, like dialogue choices in that final showdown we mentioned earlier, where you could make it not have the victim blaming ending. Yeah,
2: and you know if it's people like, oh, it's not as good as the as the Fincher movie. Yeah, it's a game. (laughs) It's a game, you you fucking asshole. (laughs) Sweet. All right. Well, Richard, that about brings us to the end of the episode, but we've got one more segment, and that's Ask Everyone 2019. So this is a a new segment uh, we keep forgetting to include, but then remember the last second. Um, And- this is where we're going to tweet someone who is involved in at least one of these films and ask if they'd be keen for an interview on the show. As I've said <laughs> twice now, the reason we do this publicly is because it's less lame if people are scouring our Twitter and see we're just tweeting random people and not, um, <laughs> not getting any replies. Twitter's weird because you have to like publicly do things you'd otherwise do in an email. <laughs> mm. things like this um so today we're going to reach out to trish somerville um and she was the costume designer on finch's dragon tattoo film so a pretty cool like aspect mm-hmm. of that film obviously the costume design um and while she hasn't directly worked in, on any other films we've covered on film franchise fortnights her work is likely to show up again because she also did uh costume design for the hunger games catching fire and leprechaun nice. 3 okay cool so you know we'll probably see her again um some of her other credits also include red sparrow velvet buzzsaw gone girl the dark tower boy erased and she's attached to world war z2 but well
1: so, so obviously fincher likes yeah because yeah, exactly. she's a gone girl
2: as well so i'm gonna tweet her i've said um i've got the tweet prepared and it says hey uh enter username i don't want to say her twitter handle or maybe i sh- should i say her twitter handle i guess i've i've said hey we run hey trish we we run a movie podcast out of new zealand and we're big fans of your work as a costume designer would you be potentially up for an interview over skype hashtag ask everyone 2019 yeah good so I'm and gonna,
1: good on you for not being put off by the fact that she hasn't tweeted in four years
2: yeah why would i be <laughs> all right tweeted and that about brings us to the end of the show um but we got to tell people what our next franchise is, Richard. And this fortnight, uh, was a Patreon pick, Patreon vote. We put it to our $1 pick patrons on patreon.com slash Should We say, hey, you know, what franchise should we watch? And the one with the most votes wins. And he's done it, Richard. He's bloody done it. Yep. Old, if you've been following the podcast the last few weeks, one of our patrons by the name of Ben Close <sighs> has been campaigning for this for us to be able to cover... Have you got it open, just to confirm? I'm 100% Uh, sure it is. (laughs) Yeah,
1: it it, it won by quite a considerable margin, but I will um, pull it up.
2: Yeah, so we're going to be watching a two-film franchise, uh, which we thought people didn't want, so we took them off the list. Mm. But here it is. The next fortnight, we're going to be covering Big Fat Liar and Bigger Fatter Liar. Yes, there's a sequel to Big Fat Liar,
1: Yeah, I mean, I don't know.
2: I don't think it'll be a very good episode. But (laughs) So don't listen to it. Let's let's campaign to make this our least listened to episode. I I think this actually might be the
1: most votes we've ever gotten for a franchise. (laughs) Even more than Lord of the Rings, which surprised us with how many votes it got. That's true. Uh, But yeah, I mean... Here we go, big fat liar. Let's actually I'm going to make the episode deliberately terrible yeah. just to spite you, Ben. Yeah,
2: let's make this the worst episode our show has ever done. <laughs> Sweet ass. All right.
1: Yeah, or should we be the big fat liars and actually watch a different franchise? Oh, shit. No, I wouldn't do it to you.
2: Um, okay. <laughs> Find us on Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, SoundCloud, iTunes- um, did I say YouTube yeah I did and uh, iTunes and, Ooh, and don't forget YouTube and Pop Popsha we're at Pop Popsha on everything unless you want to email us and please do and that's ColtPopshaMedia at gmail.com please leave your thoughts about this episode in the comments below on whatever you're watching this uh, and rate and review us on iTunes because we have a real f- I'm going to post this on Instagram at some point we got one review on iTunes and iTunes reviews are relatively anonymous so I don't know who posted it but it's real fucking funny and so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to post it on Instagram at some point so uh, and yeah, thank you very much for listening, guys. Hope you enjoyed it.
1: Yep, yeah, and have a good time. Bye. Bye.